Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Slash Filmcast. I am David Chen, and I think they should have called it Red Herring Vision. Joining me today is Devendra Hardwar. The real villain was Wanda all along. <laughs> and also Jeff Kanata. I'm speaking right now so you know which of us is which. <laughs> uh, and Jeff, Jeff Kanata's back. Hey, Jeff, welcome, man. Thank How's you. How's it going, dude? It's doing a lot. It's going a lot better than it had been. Uh, it's did going you, a lot you, better. Did you get any uh, well wishes from our listeners? I told them to send you some tweets. Yes, it was lovely. Yes, it was very lovely. Uh, thank you all for the support. I am very sick of having to thank people for the support. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm. I I mentioned to you guys, you know, like one crazy surgery that knocks you out of podcasting uh is is kind of quaint and charming perhaps you know it's yeah. like it's a chance to <laughs> really show somebody we appreciate them <laughs> but, uh, you know one way one's a fluke two's a trend three's a problem you know what's that mm. what's that uh, I'm in a, I'm in a choose a trend and I don't like it I don't like it uh mm. I well I have some more questions to ask about the surgery but first yeah. I want to mention you can find more episodes of this podcast at slashfilmcast.com. Email us at slashfilmcast at gmail.com. If you want to support the show, very easy to do that by going to patreon.com slash filmpodcast. That's patreon.com slash filmpodcast, where you can sign up for ad-free episodes as well as exclusive After Darks. This week on the After Dark, we'll be discussing Coming to America, or what I like to call Coming One America. Uh, that's what we're going to refer to it for the whole After Dark. Plus, it's the best title. We got some mailbag stuff to go through as well. So that's what we got in store for the exclusive After Dark at patreon.com slash filmpodcast. Uh, on this week's episode, we got some what we've been watching for you. We got some weekly plugs. We're going to conclude with an in-depth review of WandaVision, which is streaming right now on Disney+. Plus. Just wrapped up its first and likely only season. But before we get to all that, Jeff, let's talk what the heck happened now i read a fairly <laughs> clinical <laughs> description of what happened to you on the podcast last week yeah uh but tell tell us about your experience of it well i don't know how far back we want to go but i um i started out as a child mother mrs yes. canada no <laughs> <laughs> so exactly uh, first the dinosaurs came and then yeah um no i I I don't know, several months ago started experiencing things that I'm sure some of our listeners noticed uh, where my voice would cut out. I'm sure most people thought it was just their their podcast or some weird audio glitch on their <laughs> iPhones or whatever. Um, but uh, it, no, it was me. It was my voice cutting out uh, specifically when I would say H sounds and long vowel sounds like ah. Um, and I would say, hey, 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 it would, it would cut out. My voice would like stop working. And uh, I don't know if you guys are aware of this, but uh, I make my living entirely by speaking. It is <laughs> News to me. weird. It yeah. is weird when the two biggest ailments you have in your life uh, are your eyes and your, your and your voice. Uh, it's it's like your things, body trying to tell you something. Like, uh, <laughs> the two things that are absolutely required to do any of my jobs. <laughs> um, it's not like I, I, you know, I lost a. You know, I, I lost the use of my legs or I had a hip problem or some kind of shoulder right. issue, all of which I could continue working. No, I have to get things that literally go right to the heart of what I do for my income. It's just it's, it's a delightful. It's because you use, you use those muscles so much, Jeff. That's why. Yeah, I, I mean, yeah. probably You're true. You know, I, yeah. I had been doing two years of the dungeon run where I was doing really crazy vocal things. You know, I have like, there's over 200 different character voices that I did for that show and uh, you know, four hours of doing really crazy voices, uh, probably 
impacted it. But the doctor, what the doctor specifically said was that um, it was because I'm a chronic throat clearer. I clear my throat uh, obsessively. And so that can cause actually damage to your vocal cords, which is a bummer because now I have a habit I need to break. Oh, but um, yeah. so anyway, so I went and got it checked. The first doctor I went to, uh, well, actually, after I went to my general doctor, he sent me to an ear, nose and throat guy. Ear, nose and throat guy said, uh, I can deal with this, but you uh, are, you, you make your living using your voice. I'd rather send you to a specialist. So I went to the specialist at UCLA and they, you know, put a tube down my nose into my throat and scoped it out all while I was sitting there looking at it. He's like, oh, there it is. And it's this big growth on my vocal cords uh, called the granuloma. Um, I, I don't think there was ever any discussion of it being potentially cancerous at all. Um, but anyway, they said it needed to be removed. And uh, I had scheduled a, uh, this was like end of last year that I found this out. I told you guys, you know, at some point I'm going to be gone for a week or two because I'm going to have to have a vocal surgery. And so I was, you know, scheduling, scheduling it far out and I scheduled it for the end of March. Uh, and I was trying to move it up because I, you know, I was cutting out quite frequently on my shows on this show and others. And it was getting very frustrating that I couldn't get my thoughts out because I couldn't sp speak. I couldn't finish a sentence. And uh, so I called the doctor and tried to get an earlier appointment time. And that was kind of happening. I was waiting for cancellations. And then sort of as that was happening last week or the week before, whenever it was, uh, I don't know what changed, but all of a sudden, like I couldn't talk at all. Mm. I, I, was I was talking like this. It was like Ooh. really bad. Yeah, it was like I couldn't talk. And so that uh, was after the last like two up two weeks ago, we recorded an episode it would yeah. have been after that, that you started really going downhill. Yeah. And I don't know if there was anything that caused it. I, I don't know. It just sort of one day I couldn't make words. And uh, so I called the doctor or my wife called the doctor and um, she was like, you know, we're, we've been waiting to try to get an earlier appointment time. And doctor and, you know, this is what it has right now. Oh, and it, it was the first time I had experienced any pain. I was right. also experiencing pain for the first time. I had not had any pain or even discomfort. It was just this annoying, like my voice would cut out. And then all of a sudden I had pain. And so we told the doctor I had pain and, and, you know, this was, this really had gotten worse. And, uh, he goes, uh, I'll schedule for you <laughs> for tomorrow. So he goes, we'll do the surgery tomorrow. And I don't, I didn't really follow up on that. But it scared the <laughs> shit out of me. Like when a doctor is like, ah, we're trying to fit you in. We're trying to fit you in. And then it's like, we're doing it tomorrow. That's not usually the best sign. So, um, yeah, I don't you, know. You don't, you don't want the words abrupt and surgery to be in the same sentence uh, regarding something you need to do in general. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, he's like, yeah, well, no, before that, I was like, well, we'll try to fit you in. Or maybe we can get you early if there's a cancellation, you know, a, no, no rush. And then I, you know, I was like, I can't talk. And he goes, tomorrow, we're doing it tomorrow. <laughs> clear my schedule. <laughs> like, oh, oh, that's not good. Um, but it worked out really well because I didn't have to, you know, anticipate it and worry and be scared and try to get work yeah. and it just it's like probably the best outcome yeah. jeff like come on like yeah. you get it you get it done sooner yeah yeah that's the best well first of all jeff i'm very very sorry that and you mm -hmm. you know it sounds like you uh after a couple of days of not talking that you you seem to be doing well now you're doing you're on the mend you're yeah i had several days of not being able to talk well let me 
I, I want to just mention to you guys what the experience of the surgery was, because Please. I think it will be a delight to our listeners. Yes. Con- <laughs> content risk- warning, Jeff surgery, but continue. Yes, exactly. Trigger warning. Uh, at the risk of, you know, making this way out, stay as welcome. I will tell Too you Too that, late, yeah. But continue. Um, <laughs> I've been waiting to tell you guys this. I've been so excited yes. to tell you this. Yes, uh, please. So general anesthesia sucks, 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 sucks. Mm-hmm. I hate it. But I, I've done it before, why, right? Why do, you hate, why do you hate it? I'm, general anesthesia? Yeah. It's I, awful. Have you done it? Have you had it? Uh, yes. Oh, I hate I it. I think it's great. No way, Personally. dude. <laughs> it, <laughs> it, it makes me nauseated. I feel it's I'm like for a week after I'm like not myself, It's it's fucked. Um, All right. Well, agree to and, disagree on that. But anyway, continue. You, you, you do it recreationally. I understand. Um, I'm on it right now. <laughs> I, uh, that explains a lot, actually, Dave, the show quality. Um, Thanks, Jeff. Thanks. <laughs> it's very believable. Uh, the, um, <laughs> so I'm Why are you putting there, down right? your own show, Jeff? Like, yeah, no, no, Why did you come just to boo us? Okay, anyway, go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> I'm saying boo earns. Um, the the uh, the moments before, right? You're sitting there, you're waiting. They, sit, they get the IV in you. You know, you're waiting there. You got your anticipation. You're sitting there in your fucking gown with no back on it. You know, everything's stripped off. You have to take your wedding ring off. You're just sitting there, just like a plucked hen waiting to be brought to slaughter you know it's just mm-hmm. it's not not good and i you know i'm not a fan of any of that stuff i i just don't i don't like hospitals i don't like any of that stuff no needles anyway so i'm sitting there and the the pre-op guy comes uh, or a nurse i guess it would be comes over and he says i have you know a few things i need you to sign the waiver um he said i you know the the we're going to go into your throat with a laser and we are going to remove a granuloma that's on your vocal cords. I said, yes, yes. He's like, okay, well, uh, do you have any loose teeth? And I said, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's because no. they got to go, they got to put a tube down your throat, right? Is Not right? just a tube, but like he said, there's a lot of equipment. There's a laser, there's a lot of equipment going into your mouth. Yeah. And, and it can like dislodge your teeth. As it's it on can the way knock out, right? your yeah. fucking teeth out. Yes. And I was like, no, okay. He said, there's so much stuff in your face. <laughs> that it could possibly we could possibly knock loose teeth out. I said, okay, well, no, think no, no, that's great, but okay. It's like okay, there's one more thing, and again, it's in very rare cases, but by law, I have to mention it because it is a possibility. Uh, we will be using a laser on your throat, and so there is the very rare possibility that we could set your face on fire. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Sign here, please. <laughs> do you, so do that you know Doctor Doom? Do you, do you know that face? <laughs> yeah, that, that could be you. That's... I think it's more like the weekend, right? Like I can't uh, feel my face when I'm yeah. with you. Wow. Yeah. Wow. No, I pre- I prefer to be the supervillain after that. Yeah. But yeah. I guess. Uh, yeah. So you know that was that was what I went in was. Um, it's very rare that we set mm. people's faces on fire. So, but so... it happens enough times. That we have to mention it. <laughs> it's like uh, it's like Broken Arrow. Like I don't know what's scarier, uh, nuclear weapon getting stolen, or that it happens so often. There's a term for it. <laughs> um, <laughs> exactly. The uh, but Jeff, please, uh, uh, you know, resolve the suspense for us. Did your face get set on fire or not? Oh yeah, no, of course. Yeah, I should have mentioned. Uh, I have no face. No, <laughs> I um, 
a man without a face. Uh, no, I, uh, thankfully, uh, if, if it happened, they put it out quick enough that I didn't notice, you know, I was, I was deep mm. under anesthesia. Um, but, uh, yeah. And then, you know, I got out and couldn't talk and that was annoying. And, uh, I have, I was using my phone to uh, just a notepad feature on my phone to just type messages to my wife, you know, and the next day, I didn't ever delete any of those messages. I just like, went to a new line and kept writing, right? Yeah. The next day, I look at this stream of things that I wrote to my wife, and I remembered none of them. I remembered thinking none of those thoughts mm. that I said to my wife. So Can that is... you still have the th- the texts? Can you read some of them to us? Or Oh, God. I don't know if I should. I don't know how... Pr- I mean, some of them were... Um... <laughs> if, assuming they're not personal, right? Yeah. I mean, a couple of them were... here. Where, it's on my phone. Let me see if I can find them. Uh, oh man! It sounds like you had uh, the Ambien thing happen to you almost, but yeah, yeah. it's uh, you, you were sleep texting. Well, like I was sleep, under general anesthesia. I was yeah. like out of my mind, you know, blotto out of my mind. Um, this should be a podcast. To be <laughs> here, it is people. People <laughs> okay, under yeah. general anesthesia. Yep. <laughs> Trying to pull myself together is the first one I wrote. That's mm-hmm. good. No, me- no memory uh-huh. of writing that. Literally uh, what Jeff texts me before every episode as well, by the way. Um, but yes, continue. <laughs> that's, that's like a common, that's like a yeah. common text that you send. Though. Yeah. Did you get all the info about what, uh, what I can eat, how long I can't talk everything? That's a pretty coherent. It's good. Yeah, it's coherent. It's coherent. Yeah, good job. Practically be Jeff. Yeah. Can I have juice? <laughs> <laughs> mommy, mommy, can I have juice? <laughs> you're, you're basically regressing, right? Into yeah. your childlike state, right? <laughs> Didn't I already do that? I don't know what that's in reference to at all. Uh, was surgery a success? <laughs> uh, and then I wrote, this is one that'll give you a, this is one I should definitely not say on the show, but it gives you a window into, into my marriage and myself and how, what a saint my wife is for living with me. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I wrote, <laughs> I wrote proud of you. For saying nauseated. <laughs> Instead of nauseous, right? Yes, exactly. Instead of nauseous, because Which is gram- yeah, for those grammatically know, incorrect. Nauseous means creating nausea in those around you. And people use it incorrectly, like they use literally <laughs> yes. incorrectly. Yeah. But Jeff, we've already lost the nauseated wars. That's the thing. I it's know. Like, we have. You're we like have, that person who's it. stuck in the jungle after 20 years after the war is over and you're still thinking you're part of the war. I know. That's you know, just me. Like I'm a militant grammarian. War. We're yeah. on to the, you know, I mean, the literally war is already over as well. Um, yes. Uh, I, I, I helped lose that war personally. <laughs> well, then and you really my have nothing efforts. to say, do you, Jeff? You really have no defense. I have no defense. And yet I still fight. <laughs> 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 thing to read i probably can't one up that one but i have one last thing to, to read that I, I have no memory writing is uh <laughs> that is incredible that's incredible thank you for sharing that that's delightful yeah. by the way it says i i want more of that mac and cheese so bad but every time i take a bite it makes me feel like shit <laughs> <laughs> i have no memory of eating mac and cheese i have no memory of saying that or thinking when it. last have you had mac and cheese like i went I mean, this must be like then. some glorious mac and cheese that uh man i wonder if you're like remembering past life mac and cheese at this point yeah no oh. 
Well, I'm sad you're still fighting the nauseated wars. Uh, I mean, Jeff, they're they're ba- they're wars we can still win. Um, irregardless, for oh, for instance, you yes, know? we can yes. still we can still irregardless fight back. means with regard to. <laughs> it does, <laughs> right? Yes. Um, the the flammable inflammable wars, you know, yeah. are still like we we still have forces yeah. that can advance against the enemy there. But the other war, the other war I I died on the hill of was uh, was um, uh, celibate chaste. Oh mm. man, I mm. I fought that one so hard. <laughs> celibate doesn't mean chaste. We have a word for chaste. It's chaste. This whole you don't discussion have to use is that wow. uh, that meme wow. guy that's alone at a party. Just yeah. like, it yeah. means something and everyone no, else the is funny having thing fun is, in one 10 minute segment i went from getting everyone's sympathy to completely turning the tide and losing all of that sympathy and turning and now i'm the villain. you know you, <laughs> yeah you're the villain now you live so now long you, enough to uh, become you, the yeah. villain uh you 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 either die here or live long enough to see yourself become the villain and it's a full in season of one division in 10 minutes in just <laughs> case yeah, yeah it was about 15 yeah 15 minutes of you time right keep there talking long enough to turn yourself into the villain that's that's my well, world well jeff we're so glad you're okay and sorry you thank had you. to go through that and thank you both for uh being gracious and understanding when i was unable to do the show last week and you guys are always so great you know it's oh, becoming yeah. a, a the, the next time my body in, invariably fails in some grandiose way i i know that you guys will always be there for me and i appreciate it yeah um well also uh tara ariano um stepped in last week to fill in for you and she did a great job yes so uh so it was a great great episode last week uh did you have a chance to see minari by the way jeff i think a lot of people were curious what your thoughts were on that film i did not i did not i'm sorry i did not i hope you uh hope you check it out some yeah. maybe a minari limerick might be in the mm, uh, in the works yeah. at some point in the future um I hope that they at some point. I know it's set in the eighties. Do they? I hope at some point they play Atari, right? Just to, just for the rhyme. No, not not they, that kind of movie, didn't. Jeff. Oh, not yeah. that kind of movie. It's set in the eighties. So before we move on, one last topic I want to d- discuss with you is like you, I, I want to ask you about like messaging. What happened to you? Because uh, I think you were a little bit more forthcoming with your eye surgery last time, and. I, I I had a, an interesting scenario recently when I had my deep vein thrombosis occur. Right, I started Instagramming st- Instagram storying my deep vein thrombosis. <laughs> that uh, sounds like a band. It sounds like the coolest yeah. band. Instagramming my deep vein thrombosis. <laughs> yes. Uh, and because I didn't know, Coachella? I was just like, "Hey, look, my hands all messed up today. Like, isn't this weird? Okay, time to go to the doctors. Oh." What what's that you say? I must go to the ER immediately, or something terrible might happen. You know, and I was kind of like, and slowly, like my phone started to just explode with people like uh, who were concerned about what was what was going to happen. Like they wanted to know what the outcome was. Mm-hmm. And of course, you know, I'm lying in a hospital bed in the ER, ER, extremely grateful for the concern. But now I want to respond to people, right? Because you want to honor their concern, right? And I guess I'm curious, like if you if you took a more low key approach to sharing about it this time on purpose, or because uh, because there's like on the one hand it's it's so amazing and lovely that we have people that care whether we die. Yeah. Um, on the other <laughs> hand, it's nice. On the other hand, it's like uh, we we do want to respond to those people, and that can be challenging in times when we are under sedation or other uh, or recovering, right? And so I guess I'm curious, like uh, what what your 
what your social media strategy was for uh, this uh, <laughs> like the most, most recent important surgery. part. Yes. The most important part of any surgery is the social media strategy. Well, first of all, we already covered the important parts, which is that yeah. you're okay, Jeff. So now that we've moved on from that, let's talk about the ephemeral nonsense. The honest, is, the honest yeah. answer to what you're asking is more to do with what I said earlier, which is that I, I had the genuine feeling that a second surgery so soon it was just getting tacky you know it's like <laughs> I, I i'm now i'm just the bad health guy you know i don't want to be the bad my entire life i've been so hearty and hale my body right. has been reliable i have been the i you know i do endurance running i I've, I've been a guy who has had a very uh uh hospital free life that and i'm very fortunate i'm very i feel very privileged about that and i'm but it's part of my identity was that i was always the guy like i didn't i didn't have health problems you know and i remember when i would go into get a checkup or something and a doctor would be like you know that list of things have you ever had this 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 right. i'd be like no to all of it you know it's like no that, that, that those things don't happen to me i'm not a guy you know my i've been a healthy guy my whole life uh which is a very fortunate position to be in i understand but it just was kind of like a given. It just felt like a given. And all of a sudden now all these things are failing in kind of dramatic ways. And again, they all come to the, po to the core of my persona, my online life, right. like my living and what people know me for is my voice and my eyesight, <laughs> things that I see and talk about. And so it just felt like, you know, I, I was the beneficiary of lovely sentiment when I had my eye surgery. It was a very scary thing. I was, I was really, really scared of that. And I thought, you know, it was catastrophic. I thought it was, I thought it could really be a bad, bad thing. And people were so wonderful and so sweet. And it felt like, okay, that's, that's your one time to <laughs> rely on the kindness of, of the audience. And now it's like, oh, well, now it's just this fucking recurring thing where I, you know, I have every year I have some weird, I just didn't want to be that guy. I didn't want to make it a big deal. And I, you know, I was probably well, in I, denial a bit myself about just how, you know, fragile I am and all that stuff. Yeah. I mean, I have a couple thoughts and then we can move on from this topic. Um, one is that that makes a lot of sense. Like that these things are kind of, you've kind of fashioned an identity around some of these things, around like being healthy and um, watching things and talking about things, right? Like that's, <laughs> yes. those are like critical components to your to your identity, it seems. And uh, and when those things are kind of under threat, like I understand why you might not want to um, share that because it kind of, it kind of goes against what you, how you view yourself, right? Uh, but I have two thoughts. Number one is I think, we overall, uh, as a country and as maybe as a society in general, we live in an extremely ableist society mm -hmm. um, that values ableism and makes you know uh, disabled people or differently abled people uh, renders them invisible. An example of this is like we with coronavirus, we now have the ability to many people have the ability to work from home, uh, and it's because hey, you can call into Zoom meetings now and so on, and these are accommodations that disabled people have been asking for for decades, right? Years, decades. And it's only when everyone else got impacted by it that now as a society, we're like, okay, fine, we can try this now. And oh, by the way, it's working fine. Um, 
obviously there are some costs to it, but I'm just saying like, I think overall we live in an ableist society and, and I feel bad when I hear kind of, I, I think that all of us have some version of it in us that like, if we're differently abled, we feel some kind of shame about it. And I don't think that should happen. Right. And the second thing is Jeff, people love you no matter what, man. And uh, I just want you to know that. Okay. I appreciate it. I appreciate it. Yeah. yeah I think definitely. those are, I, I, I wonder Jeff, by the way, um, how does it feel watching a movie starring a 55-year-old man who looks like a goddamn god? Like, yeah. in any any comparisons happening? Can I tell you real talk? Real talk? Yeah. Straight up real talk? About 30 minutes into watching Boss Level, which we'll talk about later, uh-huh. I got up off the couch and walked over, and I picked up a dumbbell and started yes! doing curls. I am not even joking, dude. I'm not even joking. I was like, I need there to do some we curls. Go. How we do all right it. <laughs> all right well let's take a quick break we'll be right back we'll get into what we've been watching but thanks for all your well wishes for jeff jeff we are glad you are back thanks it is time for me to jump in here and tell you about our sponsor hello fresh oh my gosh i love hello fresh it has made my life so much better to not have to go to the grocery store not have to worry about what's going to be on the table, not have to worry about bringing variety of, of meals to my family because with HelloFresh, I get fresh pre-measured ingredients, mouth-watering seasonal recipes, and they are delivered right to my door. I love it. I get to pull out the app, peruse from over 25 recipes every single week, pick my favorites. There's something for everybody. You got professional chefs and nutritional experts putting these menus together. And I cannot tell you how many times my wife and I have turned to each other while eating a HelloFresh dinner and said, if we had gotten this in a restaurant, we would have been thrilled. We would have thought it was one of our favorite restaurants. Never would I have imagined that I would cook something as delicious as what I get from HelloFresh. I'm a put some burgers on a grill kind of guy. I was never a cooking kind of guy until HelloFresh, until they made it easy. Now I can get dinner on the table in about 30 minutes or less. They've even got 10 to 20 minute meals, low prep recipes, quick breakfasts and lunches, everything that's perfect for your busy schedule. And over four out of five HelloFresh customers say HelloFresh helps them lead a healthier lifestyle with low-calorie, carb-smart, and vegetarian options available every week. You get better value. HelloFresh is 28% cheaper than shopping at the local grocery store and 72% cheaper than a restaurant meal without sacrificing that quality. I love it. I Just this week, we had this incredible apricot pork roast. Mouth-watering, delicious. These are the kinds of things I would never make for myself without HelloFresh. Get in on this. Go to HelloFresh.com slash FilmCast12 and use the code FilmCast12 for 12 free meals, including free shipping. Remember, that's HelloFresh, H-E-L-L-O-F-R-E-S-H.com slash the word FilmCast and the number 12. F-I-L-M-C-A-S-T-1-2 gets you 12 free meals. HelloFresh, America's number one meal kit. All right, folks, let's get to what we've been watching. Of course, you can always recommend something that you want us to watch by using the hashtag 
slash tag <gasps> on Twitter specifically. Oh. Again, that's the hashtag slash tag on Twitter, and uh, that's how you can recommend stuff we, we should watch. All I this, had to do was have surgery and be out a week, and <laughs> all my dreams are coming true. It really made me feel like, what's one thing I can, what's literally the least I can do to honor Jeff's wishes? <laughs> And uh, one of them is one of the things is mentioned uh, hashtag slash tag at the top. So I'll try to make me uh, disproportionately happy. Uh, Okay, one of the things we all watched this week was a a movie that I had no idea. I never heard of this movie until this last week. And sometimes what I do is I open up all the streaming apps, right? I open up the Prime videos. I open up the Netflix. I open up the Hulu because usually they'll put something on the front page that is their main thing of that week. And so I opened up Hulu and I saw this movie called Boss Level. I didn't even know until later that uh-huh. it was directed by Joe Carnahan. It is uh, wild that this movie, yeah, absolutely yeah. nothing. Heard nothing about this heard movie. Heard nothing I love about Joe Carnahan. And what a cast. Yeah. Like, there's yes. a, like, the cast is crazy. You go yes. like, what is even happening in this movie? <laughs> so it's because Joe short- Carnahan called in some favors. Mm. <laughs> the short version of the plot of Boss Level, so we will give away the premise, is it's basically an action movie version of Groundhog Day, right? Okay. It's like what if, we, we saw Groundhog Day, which is obviously transcendently great film. We saw like Palm Springs, which is like, what if Groundhog uh-huh. Day was a romantic comedy? Isn't, this uh, is pretty much a year <laughs> after Palm Springs too for Hulu. So, you know. But isn't Groundhog Day a romantic Groundhog comedy? Groundhog Day is kind of a romantic comedy. That's right. That's right. That's right. But, but a transcendently what if? romantic No, get comedy, this. Okay? Get this. I got a great pitch for you. What if Groundhog Day, but it's a romantic comedy? <laughs> There was also another uh, time loop movie on Amazon uh, uh-huh. recently, the YA uh, time loop movie. So the, yeah. a lot of a lot of a time lot, loop actually, movies. A yep, number of hashtag slash tag recommendations for that movie. In fact, I almost I almost watched it a couple of times. Uh, yeah, and I, for some reason, like I'm completely blanking on the name right now. Oh, yeah, it's uh, like the map. The map of yeah. tiny perfect things is the name of the yeah. movie. Yeah. So uh, yeah, so there's this has been the year of. Groundhog Day, repeat your life movies. And oh, yeah. the most recent entry is Boss Level, in which Frank Grillo wakes up every day on the last day of his life. And when, whenever he wakes up, people are trying to murder him and he doesn't know why. Doesn't know why people are trying to murder him, but they always succeed. And so the movie kind of introduces us to his scenario and he's trying to figure out what's going on and potentially get out of it. We all watched Boss Level this week. And here are my overall thoughts. I want I want to hear what your overall thoughts are. But uh-huh. like my overall thoughts on Boss Level, I thought this movie was a lot of fun. Uh-huh. And uh, the action scenes are inventive. And it's like, oh, yeah, the, there's so much fun you could have with this, uh, this uh, premise. Premise, yeah. That is, uh, we've only seen glimpses of in movies like Live, Die, Repeat, right? Like mm-hmm. Live, Die, Repeat slash Edge of Tomorrow, great movie. Uh, but it was kind of like a war movie. And this is more straight up action. And I really enjoyed it. But the thing I didn't like about Boss Level is literally everything that's not associated with action is awful. Like, Mm. not even just in terms of dialogue and script, but like, literally, I think the filmmaking is bad just in terms of uh, the the blocking and the editing. It just is like, wow, this is rough. Whenever they get to the action, it's awesome. And whenever it's lengthy conversations between Frank Gorillo and people in his life, uh, life, I thought it was pretty rough. But overall, I had fun with it. Uh, it really kind of leans into this premise in a real in, in a pretty interesting way. Uh, Jeff Canato, what did you think of Boss Level? I watched it specifically because you texted us about it, and 
I, it was not on my radar uh, other than that. Um, there is there is fun to be had in this movie. It, there's some really fun stuff. I think it does not pay off its premise well enough for my money. I think that it leaves a, a, a lot. It tries to do a couple of different things all at the same time, and neither one really enough, in my opinion. Like, I would love the 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 repeating day thing. There's one sequence where he kind of, you know, does the uh, Bill Murray learning the piano bit. Yeah. Right. Um, yeah. Which is cool, especially cool because of the actor they got to do that with him. Yeah. But, um, but I feel like there was much more opportunity for him to manipulate. Like, there's one sequence where he tries to fight somebody and he, he over and over and over is killed by that person. And he keeps trying different things. And it's like, no, the fun is that you try the same thing with a slight variation every second, right? Like, like you, you do the Bill Murray, like, you know, can I buy a drink? I always like to do a toast to world peace. You know, you just, you build it out step by step. You go, mm. okay, well there, if I point the gun over here, they're going to dodge to the right. So I'm not, I, I'll force them to go to the right and I'll know they're going to the right. Like that, that logic never really plays out well enough for my, my money. Um, and the other thing they're trying to do at in some kind of vague way is make this like a video game analogy. Obviously yeah. the title is yeah. on the nose with that, but it never really lands. Like there's all this video game terminology and to the movie's credit use, they use actual video game video games. Uh, you know, they yeah. don't make up fake ones. They use real ones. They but got man, the licenses slash permission to use the actual video games. Yeah. Yes. But boy, I don't know if it irked anybody else when the guy's like, Eight bit forever, man. You know, like Altered Beast and Street Fighter. I'm like, those are not eight bit games. Those aren't eight bit games. Yeah. Those aren't eight bit. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Street Fighter is not a not really a side scroller technically. I, right. I don't know. And also, <laughs> yeah. anyway, also the Street Fighter they were showing wasn't the retro Street Fighter. It was like, yeah. it was a, which clearly Capcom was like, no, show the current. We want to sell yeah. the re- current one, you idiots. <laughs> HG graphics. <laughs> you know? HG graphics. Come on. Yeah. yeah. Uh, anyway. Um, so that kind of irked me, but it's it's this weird place where it, like it wants to have video game references. It it kind of wants to be whatever that Ryan Reynolds movie that we may see at some point. Yeah, uh, I think free, it was guy. A free guy. Free yeah, guy. I kind of feel like it was trying to sort of live in that space. Um, but also had a lot of contempt for gamers too. Apparently, yeah, yeah. This it just one. didn't. Yeah, it never really was better than the sum of its parts. Some of its some of its parts were fun, but I don't. I, it it wasn't ever. As fun as say, um, oh shoot, what's that movie that was all shot in first person? Oh god, uh, hardcore Henry. Hardcore yes, Henry, yeah. hardcore yeah. Henry to me is like the the best version. Uh, uh, I mean, even though that didn't have time looping, but like, yeah, it, that movie had so much fun with what it was yeah. doing that I felt like this movie could have had a little bit more fun, and it could have been, it could have been better. It, you know, it just it's. It's it's a goofy, fun it ride. Feels constrained. Yeah. Yes. Yes. That's a better way to say it. Devingra, your thoughts on Boss Level? I, I had a lot of fun with this movie. I think as far as like uh, streaming blockbusters go, what do we call these? Streambusters? Streaming busters. Streambusters. <laughs> yeah. Please no. Don't call that, it that. That's that. That is what block it streams? feels. Like. Block stream. Oh no. <laughs> uh. But it does feel like between this and some of the I stuff we've seen guys. from Netflix, the. <laughs> Go okay. ahead. Go ahead. 
it does feel like whenever they try to do blockbuster, right, they all feel constrained in some way. And uh, especially like Hulu has never really gone super hard on action. So that requires a big budget usually. So I feel like this movie always felt a little constrained, though not as constrained as Joe Carnahan's stretch, a movie we reviewed in 2014. <laughs> mm. You know, remember that? Yeah. I like Joe Carnahan that a was lot. A, uh, that was yeah. a Blumhouse production. Right? That was a Blumhouse was movie. a few million yeah. dollar movie. This movie he, looks like it costs at least four times that much. Yeah. So. Yeah. This, yeah. Like, yeah I, I could say 50 or so or plus yeah. or something. Very respectable. But, very respectable yeah. looking film. Yeah. I had a lot of fun with it. I really, um, you know, I enjoy the way he handles action. And I've always had like, a real thing for Joe Carnahan's direction. Like it's very visceral and inventive and interesting. Um, I'm talking like even going back to like smoke and aces or even bits of narc. And he does action too. That has usually kind of like a, an emotional core that kind of gets you out of nowhere. And uh, he really leaned on that in the gray, which is a film I consider to be kind of a masterpiece, uh, which also had Frank Grillo in it and had, you know, starred Liam Neeson. They make fun of Liam Neeson in this movie. That was fun. This feels like a movie made for people who who specifically like the stuff Joe Carnahan is doing. Um, there is an emotional bit here between, you know, Frank Grillo and his uh, his kind of like his son that he's never really had time with that really kind of works. It does feel forced. And it does happen really quickly. But I also think like it hits certain points that I really kind of dug. Um, it's, it's just it's just like enjoyable and fun. I, I think the things I don't really enjoy about it are that constrained budget. The the fact that I feel like this concept could certainly go bigger and go harder. Um, Joe Carnahan has this thing for like really weird comedy, too, if you'll remember from like Smoke and Aces. So that is in this movie a lot. And then, of course, there's Mel Gibson. And I, you know. I try not to watch stuff with him in it. Like it just typically is a big turnoff for me right now and where I am. Uh, and he, he's fine, but the villain, like, yeah, they didn't really do much with this. I had a lot of fun with it though. Like as a time loop movie and as I, Joe Carnahan, like the way he shoots action is usually interesting. It's never boring. Yeah. And I expected to like, Oh, I'll turn this on for 20 minutes and like maybe get back to it the next day. I sat down and watched this whole thing because I was just into it. Frank Grillo is really fun and charismatic. And like, you will not believe this man is 55 years old when you see him shirtless like it is just ridiculous so yeah it's a, yeah. It's a i had a lot of, of fun it's yeah. a work of art his, his body is. is a work of he art is. yeah 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 he's chiseled yeah and and uh and it's a brisk 90 minutes which is nice yeah, yeah. easy easy but, but i agree with you jeff <sighs> i was like oh maybe uh maybe jeff will like the the video game references of this movie but then you're right it never really connects in the end Not you know really. like it's, it no. never really justifies all the video gamey stuff. And it's got um, this like this rogues gallery of wacky bad guys that it never it. it never justifies why that's the thing. No, it, no, it, I kept explains, waiting for some. It explains the reason for that. It explains yeah. the reason for that. Oh, but he, it, the one line that that correct Mel Gibson says <laughs> yes, is yes, like, "Get the right. wackiest characters you yes, can get find. the wackiest characters ever." That's right. That's right, Jeff. Uh, uh, I would like to have had more about that. <laughs> All right. Uh, well, I had a lot of fun with Boss Level. I would actually recommend it if you're yeah. into repeating day movies. It's like another twist on it, yeah. and uh, there, it's not it's not great. It's not an amazing film, but it, it's pretty fun. And I think the definition uh, of a good sit as an action yeah, movie goes. Yeah, yeah, that's right. That's right. All right. Uh, so that's Boss Level. It's streaming right now on Hulu. So two things happened uh, that just are extremely rare in the history of slash filmcast. Mm -hmm. uh, 
I did something that Jeff Kanata suggested, and also <gasps> Jeff Kanata was right. <laughs> and I am thing, I, I am having oh, surgery no. every week, you guys. <laughs> and the thing I did was watch a movie called Captain Fantastic at Jeff's yeah. recommendation. And I think this movie, you know, there there are some problems with this movie, and I think it is a little bit melodramatic at points, and. Uh, and it does. It is a little bit of a shaggy movie. It's as shaggy as the titular character in the film. <laughs> uh, but there's, I've never seen anything like this movie. Like there's, the, I I can't recall anything I've seen, you know, it, 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 in a long time, that is like the plot of this film, and that kind of has the messages of this film, and it has the execution of this film. It's and, a movie that has totally stayed with me since I watched it. It it, 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 it informs my life in in a lot of ways. So, Jeff, I'm 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 gonna pitch you like a separate, you know, uh, Patreon or something recording to do about this later. But in the meantime, I'm going to uh, read the premise of Captain Fantastic. So, if you don't want to know the premise, then skip ahead. But oh, also, I want to mention, by the way, interestingly, Jeff. I don't know if it was a coincidence or if the folks at Netflix are listening to us, but after we talked about this movie a couple weeks ago, it <laughs> is now on Netflix. Huh. I know. It was crazy. Huh. I popped yeah. up on the, like, new to Netflix. I was like, what? What? Yeah, pretty great. <laughs> right after Jeff Kana, once again, and the by the way, Slash the Filmcast effect. One of the movies we're talking about next week also is related to something we've been talking about in the Slash Filmcast, but, you know, we'll get to that later. Uh, but here's the premise of Captain Fantastic. Quote, in the forests of the Pacific Northwest, a father devoted to raising his six kids with a rigorous physical and intellectual education is forced to leave his paradise and enter the world, challenging his idea of what it means to be a parent. End quote. So this movie is, yeah, about Viggo Mortensen. He lives with his kids in the woods. He kind of trains them not only to survive with just a knife and nothing else, uh, but also to be intellectual, right? To understand Dostoevsky and Noam Chomsky and things like that. And they're all hyper-intelligent and extremely physically capable. They're basically all superhumans in some ways. But of course, yeah, there's but, some challenges. Yep, go ahead. Yeah, but it's not, there's no like tongue-in-cheek to it. It's There's no like, he's making superheroes. He's no like, he's not training right. them to, he's, he's, he's raising people in a way that he feels creates the best people. He believes you know? this will allow them to be their most actualized and best selves, basically. Yeah. And this movie really resonated with me, Jeff. I'm not going to get into the movie itself, really, because I don't think we really have time for that. But I, I want to say why it really resonated with me is because what this movie is about, fundamentally, C Captain Fantastic, is the idea of living your life in defiance of societal norms, right? Like, mm -hmm. what what is life like when all the assumptions that society places on you, you disregard and say, I know a better way? And in many ways, if you're right about that, right? There's a reason why society is organized the way it is. But what if you were right about a lot of things and you organize life in a different way? And I have felt that a lot in the last year with COVID in the sense that if we all knew we'd be living with COVID and, and like, you know, it, w it wasn't sure at all, by the way, that we would be having vaccines ready to go in a year. Right, like there, right. the the shortest time we'd ever done a vaccine was four years. Now, like my parents are getting injected with vaccines, incredible. And, but imagine a scenario where this was going to take years to resolve. And it's probably, by the way, we should point out, like COVID will be with us for a long time, possibly forever. 
Uh, so it's not like it's going to be over, but like, imagine a scenario where like most of us still had to be under lockdown for years. How would we have designed society differently to accommodate that? Right. Uh, I'll tell you one thing that we probably would do differently is we probably wouldn't all live in single family homes because they're incredibly inefficient, right. In terms of sharing resources and sharing responsibilities and sharing wealth and so on and so forth. Um, it's just not a not an efficient way uh, when we want to see people and when, you know, uh, it, it doesn't make sense for like two families with like two sets of kids to like need to hire two babysitters and two na- or nannies or what have you and to bake like two different sets of meals. And, you know, it just doesn't make any sense. Uh, and I feel like I've gotten a little taste of that in terms of like uh, bucking against what society uh, has dictated in that we've invited someone to live with us in our COVID bubble. Someone moved in next door. We see each other and no one else. We share a lot of meals together. We share a lot of other things like resources together. And it's amazing. It's, an, it's been an incredibly enriching experience that never would have happened if it weren't for COVID, which was a terrible tragedy that also fundamentally allowed me to question assumptions I had about how I had to live. And this is a movie that raises that very thing up, that very notion, that very idea, and allows you to turn it over in your head and think to yourself, huh, what assumptions do I have about life that uh, need not be held to? Mm -hmm. Uh, So that's kind of what I took away from it, Jeff, you know, because in light of what we've lived through this last year, I've spent a lot of time thinking like, how would I reconfigure life if, you know, all bets were off and we were living under a completely different environment? And I think Captain Fantastic really goes in on that. Any other thoughts, Jeff? Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, it is a movie about big ideas like that. And and that's why it has stuck with me and why it is one of those movies that I put in my favorites of all time, mostly because of how often I mentally reference it. You know, I, I, it, it's one of those movies that has asked questions that no other movie really has asked me and made me constantly check my life against those questions you know, which it's a, it's a fascinating thing that art can do. And I think it's all too rare. Uh, I do have a question for you, Dave. I brought it up most recently in the context of your yep. letterboxed list. Yes, it's still still to come, still to come. I have not right. read it yet, but I, I am planning but on it. Yep. Per- perfect for that, no? Yes, I, I would agree. Very extremely minor spoiler for the, I mean, I, not even a spoiler, because I, I didn't even know who you were referring to, Jeff. <laughs> <laughs> when you when you gave this part away so extremely right. minor spoiler about the film but uh part of the film involves uh what to do with a body uh like what to do with a dead body yeah. and uh that uh, we were talking a couple weeks ago i don't remember if it was after dark or regular show about <laughs> um yeah it was it was in the after dark about movies that have influenced what how i want my life to end and how i want my remains disposed of Right. This is the high quality content you can get at patreon.com slash film podcast. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. Uh, we're talking about movies that really impacted me. Uh, Get Low being one of them. The Fountain being another one. And uh, I don't know if this one qualifies, but it definitely, no? I definitely appreciated uh, that it kind of tackles that topic. Um, so I yeah. thought it would for sure would make the list. I'll be, it's interesting. Yeah, I, I, I'm did so tweet, I did tweet out the premise of the list recently on my Twitter account, and I got really great answers that I didn't even think about. And so I, I'm grateful. So I'm like, mm, now this list, is, this list is getting much richer now. Um, so I'm, I'm really excited well, to, I, to finally build this list. I cannot tell you how delighted I am that, A, you watched the film, 
And B, you enjoyed the film. So uh, that, that is, that, it, may be a fir- it may be a first on both fronts. <laughs> yeah, in, indeed. So the movie's Captain Fantastic. Stream it now on Netflix. By the way, so I tweeted this. I said, I'm starting a new letterbox list and wondering if people have opinions on whether they're movies that shaped how you want your life to end. And uh, I'm going to make a list out of the serious answers. But some of these, some of these, um, <laughs> some of these responses are pretty funny, Jeff. Like they're very Jeff style responses. Um, like, uh, definitely don't want to go out in any bone tomahawk style. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's that, what that, yeah. Alex, I mean, very, very, very neat and easy to, uh, to take yeah. care of those remains though. Yeah. <laughs> Not just one big body, right? Like you could, yeah. you could really um, sort that. Yeah. yeah. Um, Brian Erase says, I definitely do not want to end up in 13 Zametti. <laughs> I don't know if you guys have you guys seen Thirteen Zametti? No, I know of what they're referring to. Thirteen, yeah. 13 Zametti is a movie about uh, basically a Russian roulette club, and basically people get paid a lot of money. And what you do is you stand around in a circle. Everyone has one bullet in the revolver. They point the gun to the person on their right, oh. and everyone like pulls the trigger at the same time. That's Thirteen Zametti. Who is the roulettista? Mm, good question. <laughs> good, good mm-hmm. question, Jeff. That's Captain Fantastic streaming around on Netflix, and that is another thing I've been watching this week. It's time to thank one of our sponsors this week, Paint Your Life. I don't know about you all, but when I am trying to get a gift for someone, one of the characteristics of that gift that I like to have is to give them something that is custom. Custom. That is to say, something that is tailored to their needs, their interests, and that didn't come off of a factory assembly line. You know, something where there's maybe a few of these objects in the world, maybe one of these objects in the world, one of a kind. And I think that's something that our sponsor today, PaintYourLife.com, can help you with. What does PaintYourLife.com do? It gives you a professional hand-painted portrait created from any photo at a truly affordable price. Choose from a team of world-class artists and work with them until every detail is perfect. Their user-friendly platform lets you order a custom-made hand-painted portrait in less than five minutes. The process is quick and easy. You can get your hand-painted portrait in about three weeks. And what's cool about the service is you can not only send any picture, it's a picture of yourself, maybe your children, your family. Uh, It can even be a location. Uh, You can also combine photos into one painting, which is obviously super useful during this time right now when many of us can't be together in person. Uh, So I'd highly recommend Paint Your Life. This is a great service. You can get a meaningful personal gift that will be cherished forever. The quality of the paintings is awesome. I've obviously used Paint Your Life, and I can vouch for them. I love using their user interface. It's super quick and easy. So... At PaintYourLife.com, there is no risk. If you don't love the painting, your money is refunded, guaranteed. And right now, as a limited time offer, get 20% off your painting. That's right, 20% off and free shipping. To get this special offer, text the word FILM to 64000. That's FILM to 64000. Text FILM to 64000. Paint Your Life, celebrate the moments that matter most. Terms apply, available at paintyourlife.com slash terms. Again, text film to 64,000. Thanks to Paint Your Life for sponsoring us this week. One last thing I want to talk about that I've been watching, it looks like Devendra also has been watching it this week, is Oprah's interview with Meghan Markle. Apparently all of Twitter was watching it last night, yeah. And Prince Harry. Yeah. Yeah. And I just want to say... uh, I, I I did not think that I would be somebody who cared about 
exactly. the machinations yeah. of the royals. I don't. I, you, Mister the Crown over here, yeah. Mister. I watched uh, one and a half seasons of the Crown yeah. over here. Well, that's biggest the thing, fan before, of the Crown. Before I did that, it's like not only am I like I don't want to follow what's going on with the Royals. I actively look down on people who did. <laughs> um, but then I watched the Crown. I'm like, oh my gosh, this is, this is a really good show. First of all, and secondly, it's revealing. It's bringing to life uh, to light the extremely horrific practices of this. Um, th- these damaging, abusive, uh, horrible practice, horrifying practices of this British institution that has been part of, uh, part of British life for what a millennia, over a millennia. The family that's uh, and, reshaped the world and invented yes. colonialism. You know, like it, it, there is so much going on there. Yeah, right. And and so uh, I found myself unexpectedly, incredibly invested. <laughs> In what happened at this interview. And uh-huh. I, ju- I just want to start by saying this interview, the Oprah interview with Meghan Markle and Prince Harry, which aired on CBS last night, uh, was an incredibly compelling hour of television. Like, I thought it, it just was a really good interview that yielded uh, bombshell after bombshell after bombshell. Many people describe it as like Meghan Markle, lo- you know, loaded up a B 52 full of weaponry. And Prince Harry got in the cockpit and just like unloaded all on the on the royal family. Yeah. Like it's, it's, it's also just, Oprah at the height of her power. Yes, right? which she is, is at the height of the her. Thing. She's doing a great yeah. job. She yeah. handled the interview really well. It was a really great hour, a couple hours of television, actually. So mm-hmm. um, let me pause there, Devin, because I've been talking for a long time. What did you think of the Oprah interview on CBS? Oh yeah, I let me just say I certainly did not expect to be so interested in this either. But apparently. It was as if it's one of those things, right? In a movie where everybody just starts doing the dance sequence. It was as if everybody planned to watch this last night on Twitter and just like really document every single second of it. So it was like after a certain point, after seeing the revelations coming out of there, I was like, I got, I got to get in on this thing. So I turned it on. <laughs> um, I watched it today with my wife and Talk about a loss for Paramount Plus, by the way. Let's just take a little sidebar here. Yeah, from this, a, from a business standpoint, yeah. this was a like so many streaming platforms would would be ex- like love to have yeah. a piece yeah. of event television. I didn't want to say kill, but, but oh, yeah, would yeah, love yeah. to have a piece of event television like this. Like this is going to kick. This is a must watch piece of television that's going to kickstart your streaming service into the stratosphere. CBS spent and, millions of dollars for this interview. For the yes. exclusive rights to this interview, yeah. And basically, on Paramount Plus, the experience was you could watch it live and yeah. not at all afterwards. Because like Oprah the second, owns the streaming rights. Correct. Yeah. So the second the interview is over, it's gone from the platform. So this was a one of the biggest misses out of Man. any streaming platform launch ever. Uh, and so huge loss for them. And also a terrible experience for West Coasters. Because I got to tell you, Devendra, I was, <laughs> I, I, just, I was really fuming. I'm like... I. People are just tweeting about this thing, and I, I'm yeah, not, yeah. I can't read the tweets because I, I can't, can't be in the conversation. I can't yeah. be in the conversation. What the? F- I just, it's a- and um, <laughs> yeah, I, like it was broadcast at 8 p.m. Eastern time and 8 p.m. Pacific. So mm-hmm. if you were on West Coast, you had to wait three hours <laughs> when all the media people had already been done talking about it on Twitter to finally watch yep. this interview. Yeah. Not that I care a lot. Anyway, go <laughs> ahead, Devendra. Uh, but yeah, I, I I thought this was a really fantastic interview just because. 
as somebody who was born, you know, in a in a British colony, right? And my grandparents uh, were alive when uh, my birth country of Guyana uh, achieved independence. Like, that's a thing they talk about in the moment of people like cheering in the streets where a country could kind of finally control its own destiny. The idea, you know, I don't, I'm not like a royal follower or anything. And the crown is fine. Like, I'll enjoy that like as an entertainment thing. But I'm really interested in Meghan Markle's story just because it's a very thing. It's a very interesting thing that's like, this is the moment for the royal family to do something new and interesting and kind of like step up to the moment of bringing in somebody who's not only American, but not, you know, not white. And I think that's like a big step for such a huge institution that is at the core, you know, of the British government and empires around the world. Um, and they failed. They absolutely failed. Like judging from what we see in this interview is just kind of horrific and kind of abusive what they've done to her. Um, it was a great interview just because it was Oprah just asking very smart questions and knowing when to interject, knowing when to go deeper, knowing when to just sit no, back knowing and when listen. to come back to things yeah, yeah, that like yeah. they, she knew the audience would want to come back to. Yep, yeah. It was, yep. it was a great, great, interview. great there, interview. There's a lot going on here. I feel for, you know, Meghan Markle and Prince Harry and everything that they're going through, but especially Meghan Markle, because it, it is cr- kind of wild what the royal family put her through and i think everybody should watch this it is it is telling of so many things but it's also telling of like a very particular type of like white supremacy that is championed you know like this is the royal family and i think it means something when they treat her the way they did um check like i think it's worth watching you can watch it on cbs.com even though you can't stream it on paramount plus yeah. Um, so check it out. Meghan Markle's interview with Oprah. Uh, and this is going to be th- there are interviews that are considered iconic or uh-huh. historic, you know, and this is going to be one of those. This is going to be one of those interviews that people are still talking about decades from now. Right? There's there's some canonical like Princess Diana interviews that people still talk about. This is one of those. So I don't know how the royal um, family can kind of come back from this too because they're I mean, people, never people are talking about things. yeah, it's people insane. are talking about how like they're going to be this is going to bring the end of bring an end to the royal family. Like that yeah, is what the Molotov cocktail into Buckingham Palace is what yeah. this interview was. Yeah. Yeah. Metaphorically, but yes, um, it's uh, <laughs> it's going to be interesting to see how they respond, and certainly part of the response has already been very disheartening. So, anyway, uh, that's the Oprah interview with Meghan Markle. Devinder, anything else uh, you've been watching? Uh, you know, a couple of things I'll talk about. Uh, we'll be talking more about it next week. Uh, so I have seen Raya and the Last Dragon that's on Disney Plus. I paid the thirty bucks for that. I'm very glad. Thirty I did. bucks, guys. Thirty this is bucks. A thirty dollars. Thirty dollars to rent yeah. this one. Yeah, but it's not. It's not just you know. It's not a rental that goes away in two days. You know, it yes. is one of yes. those like premium permanent. Disney things. It's, it's permanent. permanent. You can rewatch rental. it. Yeah. So thirty dollars for a new movie. Vital. That, vital for a kids' film. Vital for a kids' film because you will be yes. watching the, that movie. For the rest of, like, forever. <laughs> and also because you're probably o- only going to get to watch, like, 15 minutes at a time. I mean, <laughs> yeah. and, and you live in my house. Exactly. Yeah. So, yeah, I actually saw this movie in, like, several minute chunks as I was trying to watch it with my daughter. And she, Sophia loves it. I, I think this movie is really good and interesting. And we'll be talking about it more next week. And I've also seen Coming to America, which 
was fine. The, the sequel to Coming the One sequel. America. Yeah. yeah, the sequel to yeah. Coming One America, as it is here, here for now known. Um, yeah, it is. Uh, it's perfectly fine, but I don't. It is nowhere near as great as the first movie, and we will be talking about that in the after dark next week. So both of those movies come back to us for it. Yeah, next week on the Slash Filmcast and also Patreon.com Slash Filmpodcast. Jeff Canada, anything you've been watching? Well, I wanted to mention one more time. I know I've talked about it a couple times on the show now, but I really love this show. I wanted to mention uh-huh. one more time, Search Party. Oh, Jeff, I have been catching up now because of you. And yeah, Dude, so good. Still so good. So good. Uh, I, wife and I finally got to the end of the last season that's available. I think they got renewed for two more, which is awesome. Yeah, yeah. And Dave, you, you have to give the show a shot. I, you have to All give right. it a try, dude. All it's, right. It is kind of made like, for you. Like it is is very specific <laughs> for your interests. Yeah. It's okay. really not mean, like anything else, man. Yeah. It Dead is bodies pretty and wild. Remains disposal is part of it, I assume. Yeah. Anyway, okay. Uh-huh. Uh, yes. <laughs> yes. It dude. turns out. Yep. Yep. Okay. All right. It is wild. Wild. And I'm not going to say anything about the final season, but it this there's another show that I talked about a lot on this podcast called The Detour. And mm-hmm. the detour, I think, I think all of this kind of goes back to maybe, I mean, really the Simpsons, but probably more like uh, Arrested Development, where there's a thing that happens where, like, there'll be one gag that's just like a one-off joke that feels like a one-off joke, but that the show will then follow through <laughs> to the most extreme, ridiculous extent. like. The perfect example is maybe, right? The character is named maybe because of one joke in one moment in the first season, right? But it carries through the entire, like that, just to have that punchline be that that her name is maybe, we carry that through forever. And there's a lot of jokes in Arrested Development where, you know, it just kind of spins off and becomes its own thing. It, it, it gets bigger and they make the whole bigger and bigger and bigger, but it started out as one little thing. The Detour is similar to that. It's a show I really love. Sorry, were you talking about, you were talking about Arrested Development just now, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay, yep. got it. Yep. Right, may, the character of Maybe. Yep, yep, yep. yep. Right. Uh, but The Detour is also similar to that where like the premise of the show is that, you know, they're on a detour, they have to go to this other place. But then there'll be like one joke where, oh, the wife's, you know, uh, got a twin. And then we'll do an entire season, like, following through on the ramifications of what that means right but it was really just one gag of like it's 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 just a throwaway gag but then it becomes oh well now we've established that as canon and we've got to just see that through and realize what that means to our universe that's how search party works and it's brilliant where each season is like this spiral out of control of what was very a very simple moment or joke or thing. And then it's like, oh no, but the ramifications of that, if that really happened, here we go. And so you get to a point with this show where my wife and I were both like, we won't put anything past this show. Like there, there is nothing that they can do that we think, well, they wouldn't do it on this show because it, it is so... I want to say outlandish, but it's not outlandish in the sense of not believable. It's outlandish in like the size and scale and scope of how they're willing to disrupt the status quo of their show. And that's what's so thrilling to me about the show is that 
there is no status quo. Like anything can happen to any of these characters. And, and the pace is so fast that, you know, they'll set up something that other shows will take, you know, many episodes to follow through on. And here it's like over and done with in, a, in an episode. And it's like this crazy life altering thing that then they carry through and they follow through on it. So the last season is so, so far from where we started and you just go, I'm not going to put anything like, is this what we're doing? Yeah, I, I get, I will not put anything past the show. This may be what we're doing. And then it, of course it is what we're doing. It's, it's really very cool show search party. I, I have become such a fan and I'm so excited that it sounds like there's at least two more seasons. All right. Well, you had my curiosity, but now you have my attention, Jeff. Uh, Search Party (laughs) streaming right now on HBO Max. I will try to check out an episode or two this week. Uh, And uh, what else have you been watching, Jeff? Anything else? Well, along those lines, I I got – I didn't pull up the person's name, but thank you. I got a suggestion of somebody who said, if you like Search Party, you should check out a movie on – I believe it's on Hulu – called Save Yourselves – um, obviously the connection to search party is that, uh, one of the main actors, um, John Reynolds is uh, also one of the main actors in save yourselves is save yourselves with an exclamation point at the end. Uh, Sunita Mani is also in this. I like her very much from a lot of different things. Mm-hmm. It is have either of you guys heard of this movie or seen it. I've I heard think I might've seen it on browsing on Hulu, but yeah, I have yeah. not seen it. I really liked it. It is a, it is not for everybody. Very quirky, very weird. Basically, it the story of it, this isn't really a spoiler because it says it in, the, in like the first thing. But if you don't want to know the premise, I would say it, it's worth watching this movie cold. So skip ahead thirty seconds if you don't want to know the premise. But the premise is these two it, it, total romantic comedy situation. This couple who just you know can't get off their phones decide they're going to go away on a retreat for the weekend, not bring any phones, not be connected to the internet. Maybe it's a whole week, whatever the case. They go away without any connection to the internet. And that just happens to be the week that aliens come to Earth. <laughs> love it. Love it. Yeah. And it's brilliant. And like the way the aliens are portrayed in this movie is not like anything you've ever seen before. Really weird, really goofy, but super scary in a way too. Uh, it's a, it's a, it's a really strange movie but one i i enjoyed a lot it's called save yourselves and it's on hulu all right well that is what we have been watching this week why don't we get to some weekly plugs we're gonna do weekly plugs Weekly plugs a part of the show each week where we plug something we have been creating this week or maybe something we haven't been creating. We just like it. This week, I want to uh, recommend two things that I've been in uh, real quick. First of all, recorded an episode of Culturally Relevant with At Joy of Napping uh, about feelings on vaccines, how we're feeling about it, because we're entering this weird phase of the pandemic now where some people are getting vaccines, some people aren't. Our parents are getting vaccinated. I mean... It's possible one of you might get vaccinated before me. And uh, if that pro- happens... Probably not, Dave, because I'm living in the worst 
the <laughs> apparently ranked according to CDC data the worst state when it comes to vaccine distribution. Not like the CDC is here or anything. Yeah. Well, so, anyway, you'll gonna, get it before <laughs> me for sure. I was gonna say. I mean, it would give me yet another reason to resent you guys. Mm. Uh, but like anyway, you need th- one more of those. There's a lot. There's a, a a lot of thoughts we have and a lot of feelings, and we share them all on the latest episode of Culturally Relevant. Also, uh, if you want to hear a 40-minute conversation about the Oprah interview, uh, head on over to my Patreon page at patreon.com slash Dave Chen, where we uh, spoke together in the COVID bubble about our thoughts on the interview, uh, gotten some great feedback about that. That that episode is free to the public. I I put it uh, in front of the paywall. So patreon.com slash Dave Chen, if you want to hear our conversation about the Oprah interview. I'm thinking, guys, of, I'm thinking of pivoting to just all royal coverage for all my stuff. What do you guys think? Yeah, is that smart. a good yeah, Please, please. Yeah, I follow niche. That, right? yeah. Serve that okay. niche. Hey, yeah. can I ask you a no only one else slightly... Is, what's great about it, Jeff, is no one else is doing it, so... Yes, um, right. Yeah, go ahead, uh, Jeff. Can I ask you an only slightly related question? What's up? In this, this uh, marginally uh, easier-to-imagine future... Yeah. Uh, that we're hopefully approaching where uh, COVID is in the rearview mirror a bit. Have you done any thought to like what will ha- what will happen to your COVID bubble? Do you think mm-hmm. it will be less? I mean, obviously <laughs> you've made you have friends. These are friends, and they will remain yes. friends. But it's is just there it's some... just one one person, uh, Carter. She's a friend. Yeah. Oh, I thought it was a couple. I probably no. apologize. No. Um, you have this 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 bubble friend, and that, uh, clearly that friendship will will endure, but. Is there anything that will make it less than in some way? Is there something that will change about it? it when you're not forced to be your only group, you know, you're, you're right. I'm just curious if you've given that any thought. I, first of all, I'm actually insulted that you asked that question, Jeff, because of course I would think about that type of thing. <laughs> like okay, I would be thinking about it even before it even started. Right. Yeah, so right, no, right. Yeah, uh, you're the guy who thinks about the dog dying before you get the puppy. Right? That's correct. Hundred percent. Hundred percent. So the fact that you even need to ask the question is like, wow. Do you not even know me, Jeff? This, this was all covered <laughs> in the contract that Carter signed. Okay. Yeah. This is yeah. the contract that she signed with blood. Um. No. Uh. I definitely have thought about it, Jeff, and I think that uh the the COVID bubble to a large degree is about practicality, right? Mm-hmm. Um. That. It made sense for us all to live together, but I think we all understood. Like, if one day we get out, I mean, when we went into this, it's like this could last for f- five sure, sure. plus years, right? Sure. Like, we had no idea how long it could last, um, and uh, it's now looking like at least the impact of it will be severely mitigated. So, uh, you know, the impact of the pandemic will be substantially mitigated in the, in the next few months, um, assuming you know nothing catastrophic goes wrong. There's variants. People continue to be dumbasses. You know, uh, there's all these variables. But what will it feel like? I, I think we all understand that, like, at one point, the bubble will likely end unless, unless, you know, we invest in, like, a radical new way of living. And what I mean by that is, like, I have friends, Jeff, who are, like, have, consi- like, friends who are older than me who have considered, like, hey, um, let's create a commune like let's let's have yeah, a commune yeah. where we all live like me like us and then like five of our friends live together on this big commune and uh nothing weird nothing cult like about it it's just more like hey we want to all grow old together we want to all like take care of each other's needs and um we enjoy spending time with each other you know um and uh, and and so there's a possibility that we could figure out some like unconventional arrangement where like we figure out a way to live together beyond the bubble. 
Um, but other than that, I do think like there is an understanding. One day the bubble will end, and it will be very sad because it is something that has deeply enriched our lives. So mm. those are my current thoughts on it right now. So it's um, like either you become a thruple, <laughs> or right. or you said good day. I said good day. Um, yeah, but you know, it, there's still some time left, right? Like, who knows? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, it's it, it, it's it's a function of like how long leases last and uh, many many other factors. So. Um, I think the bubble will last certainly until uh, for the next few months and most likely for the next uh, year and a half or so um, yeah. based on like leases and stuff. So it's going to be think, th- yeah. there's a lot of drama to be written about the the COVID bubbles that break up, you know, and like how you do <laughs> yeah. that. And uh, yeah, it's kind of hilarious. Uh, possibly an after our conversation for the future. Uh, Devendra Hardware, your weekly plug. Oh, yeah. I want to shout out the latest episode of the Engadget Podcast. Uh, It's about Microsoft Mesh, which is a thing you probably didn't hear about because it was announced at one of their, like, developer conferences for enterprises. But it's a really, it's a cool thing because they made this platform for basically VR collaborative chatting with other people, which is kind of like... It's a thing I've experimented with, and I've tried it with uh, with other services, but they sent me a HoloLens 2, and I sat nice. here at my desk. Um, yeah, to I put it on, and in my desk, where I've had no other people other than my family, um, was somebody from Microsoft and a couple other Whoa. journalists, and we were all in, like, we were all, like, cartoony avatars, but the right. sense of space was there like the desk that fake there was a fake desk that right yeah. next to my real sense desk of and presence were, right sense it's of presence vr yeah people were walking around i could actually hear like the direction people were speaking from it did feel like man i could i would really like to do this rather than like zoom calls all the time or something yeah and it could be really cool for like collaborative work so anyway it's this platform they made for vr ar uh smartphones you know computers uh, pretty much every single platform to kind of have like a single uh like a skype for the future you know like a single place where all these things can jump in and have these conversations uh it is pretty cool and you know we're looking at like timelines uh there were stories about like the timelines for apple's ar glasses like um potentially not until like 2025 for the like final um you know small ar glasses that look like normal glasses and i think that timeline makes sense so if you're dreaming of the day when you can have like ar glasses that can do all sorts of cool stuff this seems like something that would be really useful for that so yeah we're seeing it it's cool check out my uh you know check out the podcast episode and i wrote an article about this too it's a it's a really cool future we're getting to it's just not here quite yet kanada jeff your weekly plug I thought I'd mention my video game podcast. It's called DLC. It's every week at 5x5.tv slash DLC. But I thought this week uh, I, I returned to podcasting after a week off for my surgery. And I, I invited one of my favorite guests, Lana Bashinsky, who is a uh, animator, senior animator at Riot Games, but just a delightful human. And uh, it's a great episode. If you're curious about video games, I think this is a great episode to try my podcast. If you haven't before, Lana's wonderful. We get into some wonderful discussions about uh, the games that we've been playing and some some great news. Check it out. 5x5.tv slash DLC. Those are our weekly plugs for the week. Let's get to our review of WandaVision. Heavenly shades of night are falling. It's twilight time. Wanda and Vision. Oh, we have five pets. This is our home now. I want us to fit in. Oh, 
Oh, this is gonna be a gas. Where did you two move from? How long have you been married? And why don't you have children yet? Our story. I think what my wife means to say is that we moved from... Moved from where? Married when? Damn it, why? Oh, Arthur, stop it. Stop it. Stop it. Stop it. Deep in the dark, you can spill through. This is really happening. Like days of old, lighting the spark of love that fills me. Am I dead? No. Why would you think that? Because you are. That was from the trailer for WandaVision, a new series that just concluded on Disney+. Plus. I'm going to read the plot. Dave, 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 Dave. Dave. Yes, Jeff, yes. This week, I watched a TV show where an extraordinary woman falls in love with a superhero. He can fly and shoot lasers out of his head, but the thing is, he isn't human. Nevertheless, they marry and have twin boys, which is such a weird direction for a superhero show like this to take. Superheroes as parents? Anyway, enough about Lois and Superman. Wow. Let's review WandaVision. N- nicely done, Jeff. That's, Boom that's pretty good. Boom goes the dynamite. Boom goes the dynamite. <laughs> nicely done, Jeff. You know, that warms my heart. Warms my heart that you thought of the boom, even though you were recovering from surgery this week. So boom right to your heart. Yeah, Yeah. thank you. The the straightest path towards my heart is through the boom. So uh, WandaVision, plot summary. uh, Living idealized suburban lives, superpowered beings Wanda and Vision begin to suspect that everything is not as it seems. Joining us today for our review of WandaVision, she is a senior writer at Vanity Fair. And also somebody who has made podcasts with some permutation of the folks in the Slash Homecast uh, for many hundreds of episodes. Joanna Robinson, welcome back to the podcast. Hello. What a pleasure. Thanks. I feel like I've landed. I've like touched my boots down, turned myself into like a 1950s housewife with a houseplant and sashayed up to your door for this episode. So thanks for having me. Nice. It's so great to have you on the show now. It was Joanna all along. (laughs) (laughs) Jeff, how are you pronouncing Joanna? Because I'm, I'm I said hearing it wrong. you pro- He's going it for Agatha. Like you're saying I, thought, Joanna. I thought he was trying for, to yeah. Agatha. Yeah. I was trying yeah. to do an Agatha thing, but it, it uh, I, see. I realized I see. it was more just sounded like I didn't know who I was talking to. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so it, it goes without saying that we're going to be talking about WandaVision season one, a.k.a. likely the only season. It's probably a mini series at this point. Sure, yeah. Um, and so we'll be spoiling the entire thing. So if you don't want spoilers for the show, um, you should uh, not stick around. Uh, and I, I wanted to start by sort of talking about before we get to the finale and reviewing the finale and thoughts on how everything wrapped up, kind of our overall experience of the show. Uh, Joanna Robinson, this is a show that has really leaned into Joanna Robinson's strengths, which is to say, uh, really astute theorizing, world building, uh, things of that nature. We've certainly made podcasts along those lines in the past, and uh, you are one of the people that's best at it. So, given that it is. <laughs> In my opinion, Joanna Robinson catnip. Curious if you actually ended up enjoying the show. What do you think overall of WandaVision? Oh, yeah. I really loved it. Um, Definitely catnip for me. Uh, Pretty theory proof, actually, um, as opposed to some of the other shows that we've covered before. Define Um, define theory proof, please. uh, 
laying some breadcrumbs that went nowhere, which is fine. I'm not mad about it uh, at all, honestly, except for one thing. But, um, but <laughs> you know, so you could, I think no one really quite fully cracked it, which is, you know, it's a, it's a tough that's that's a nearly impossible feat in this age of of like reddit detectives and stuff like that but um but yeah i had a ball i i I was doing a podcast called still watching for um my outlet vanity fair where we got to talk to like cast and crew and then every week um my co-host richard lawson anthony bresdekin and i just sort of went off on just imagining uh ideas of, of what might be and like dave you and i have talked about fan theories before as they pertain to Westworld, um, as they pertain to some of the messier final seasons of Game of Thrones. And um, I used to be, I think, a lot saltier about fan theories than I am now. And now I'm just sort of like, I've, I've, I've landed in this space where um, I've, I call it, uh, what is it? Speculation without expectation, right? Like if you have, mm. if you just like let yourself have a ball, imagining various scenarios trying to connect the dots trying to figure out what's going on but you're you're not intent on like solving or beating the show because when you when you're like so invested mm-hmm. in beating the show then like the show winds up beating you and you get mad and and so it's just sort of like just have fun get weird and then if it goes a different way be really open to that being you know the way that these creators plan their story to go all along and and you were way off off base so, uh, like I said, other than one small thing in the finale, which we will talk about, or actually kind of a big thing, um, I'm not so sal- I'm not salty about anything, and I had I had a blast, I had a blast. Uh, well, I think in the past, I, it's been rare where you've had a fan theory that didn't work out. First of all, it's been rare that you've had a fan theory that wasn't true, but then it's been rare that you've been upset about it. So, I think what you're saying really is. Uh, in the past, you've seen speculation run wild in ways that don't feel like they honor or understand the show, yeah. right? And that's that's really what's bothered you. It's not your own fan theorizing. It's kind no, of like, no, 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 yeah. Uh, Sansa Stark is pregnant, you know, like that kind of stuff. That's like kind of like, really, do you I, understand I, well, what the show is? I think yeah. I used to get, yeah, that one made me really mad. I think I used to get um, embarrassed. Like I would lay out this whole my my most famous one I think is like when I decided that Jon Snow was going to come back as a, with a wolf brain on Game of Thrones, and I had I had <laughs> you guys I had so like much in his evidence. Pocket? Like like he was going to come back kind of feral. Like I don't know if you mm. watched Buffy, but like yeah. Angel yeah. does that in season three. Like mm-hmm. he came back yeah. wrong. Like that there should be like some sort of cost to death. But instead the show was just like, well, he died. That was a thing that happened, but it doesn't yeah. really have a He's bearing on his character at all. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> his hair got shorter by an inch or two, but that's okay. Um, so, you know, I, I'm kind of, I, I was really embarrassed because I was so sure I was right. I took like a large, lengthy swing on VanityFair.com talking about mm. it. And then I was just so wrong. And so, and people gave me hell about that for years and I was just mortified. And now I'm just sort of like, now I'm like, whatever, who cares? Yes. Man? It's, it's fun. It's just know? a TV show. We're just, yeah. we're all having fun here. Are we having fun yet? You know? Exactly. Um, so, uh, well, I'm glad, I'm glad that you are in a good place with the fan theorizing your own or those of others. Um, so that's great. And I'm glad you had a great time with the show. Devendra Hardor, overall thoughts on WandaVision? Oh, yeah. Really, really dug it. And I think um, not because like I I was not expecting this show to really be super revelatory or super surprising, really. Like, I I think with the first two episodes we saw, everyone's like, this is some sort of weird, you know, 
uh, extension of her grief over vision, right? And that's what all this is. And the question is like, how does this work? And the show did a great job of kind of laying that out and kind of introducing more things. And I figure we're, I mean, we're we're full spoilers at this point, right? Yeah, let's do full spoilers. Let's just just go in. But I was was kind of starting with like overall thoughts before we get to like, you know, some of the revelations. Yeah. But yeah, like I, I feel like it was really strong at many points and like it did a great job of kind of swerving us in some ways that I found really fun. Um, you know, we even we've talked about like, oh, man, what could this mean for X-Men and Marvel? And maybe, you know, the Quicksilver stuff isn't what we think it would, you know, could really be. But this the show still actually does open the door to several Marvel characters, including Scarlet Witch herself. So things like that, um, I, I think are pretty, pretty important and pretty like revelatory and interesting. And the finale, I could see, I could see a lot of people were just disappointed with kind of how it went, but I, I don't know. I, I feel like I've got more to say about how it all kind of, uh, ends up, but I was really satisfied with this as a, like a season of television. All right, uh, Jeff Kanata, your thoughts on WandaVision? Well, Dave, I guess you could uh, say my thoughts on boom. WandaVision are best summed up in the form of a limerick. A, a boom and a limerick, Jeff. This is truly a, a, an embarrassment of riches. I got news for you, Dave. There's two limericks. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. <laughs> the uh, the bad news is there's two because the the second one was uh, uh, really just not good enough. Uh, but mm. I'm still going to yeah. say it. I'm still going to yeah. say it because I have the second. Why would you not second. say it? All right, there's so here's no the first to... one. Yeah, okay, go ahead. Here we go. I never thought it would be true that the sitcom connective tissue would work so well that they could tell the best love story in the MCU. That's pretty good, Jeff. Not Aww. bad. I love not it. Not bad. Is that the bad one? No, that's the that's the that's the makeup for the for the here here's the bad one. Uh, oh, okay, okay, okay. Yeah. <clears throat> this show sits at the collision of <laughs> movies and television. Some people might scoff, but they pulled it off. You wonder how they have such vision. <laughs> I really liked it. I think they're both, uh, they're both great. I like the swing. Yeah, I, I mean that swing. one is also good. It also makes me want to murder you, though. But I mean, <laughs> but aside from that, it's good. Also, see, I just have to say, they Wanda. Huge... <laughs> see, see, because the show's title is, and oh, its two that... main characters are what? Yeah, <laughs> I have to say, a huge part of the pleasure of the limericks, of which there are many pleasures, is when you use a word in the first line, and I know what the last going. word is going to be, right? <laughs> yeah. And it's like, yeah. it's just a question of how you're going to get there. Very I, uh, much like this show. Anyway, go I, ahead. <laughs> yeah, I rhymed television with vision. See? Vision. Because very, very they M&M. rhyme. Those yes. rhyme. You're, you're, <laughs> like in, you're like in a, a film M&M, Jeff. Yeah. Um, <laughs> okay. What do you think of the show, Jeff? Well, as you know, I'm a Marvel zombie from way back. And this was just wonderful to me. I loved it from the word go. Mm-hmm. I think, honestly, I was trying to rank it. I think it is among my, you know, top 10 MCU things. I think it's probably closer to the... It's not, I don't think it's in the top five, but man, it's close. Of just like general MCU things. It is that good. I think it is that different and fun it's so fun it's having a blast the actors seem to be having a blast all of the wonderful inside joke references to tv tropes and decades of television that were done so well all the different 
intros that they did to the WandaVision series that were clear homages to specific television shows, you know, The Office and um, uh, uh, all of them, you know, we, you know, all of them. <laughs> The Dick Van Dyke Show, yeah. Malcolm in the Middle. Yeah, exactly. Malcolm uh, in the Middle pains. is what I couldn't think of. Yeah, um, it's great, and and that all that stuff was all so fun. The thing that's so mind blowing to me about this is I don't know of anybody that's attempted to do a movie and a television show at the same time. Right, right, like, right. It's awesome how they pulled that off. It's such a novel idea. It's it's like okay, the first of these Disney Plus Marvel cinematic universe tv shows is not just going to prove that we can do tv shows on the movie scale it's going to actually justify the idea of doing it as a tv show is the best way to do this like it wasn't mm. just that we broke up a long movie into multiple episodes the format of episodic television was essential to telling this particular story in this particular way it's it absolutely in love with the idea of TV and how yes. we consume TV and how it like sticks with us. So yeah, yeah, absolutely. It couldn't have possibly been told in any other format as well. And to be like, well, not only, not only are we doing TV, but we're like showing you why we had to do TV now is pretty w wild. I loved all of the world building it does. I love that it retroactively makes sort of not as good MCU movies a little bit better I'm shocked that it's able to do that. You know, the turn age of Ultron, make it a little bit better of a movie retroactively. I love how it manages to flesh out a very underwritten love story, right? In the context of the Avengers movies and ancillary movies, you're basically just told that, that Wanda and vision fall in love. There's very, very little actual screen time given to them falling right. in love. And then you have this exquisite, expression of their not just their love now which is beautifully expressed but the moments that they fell in love we actually get to flash back and see that in a really clever unconventional way but it, it is such a home run on so many levels and it is it's having so much fun it is you know we get uh we get new care we get this new captain marvel that cl clearly seems to have a bigger role in the mcu upcoming we get a new great villain that's going to clearly have a bigger role in the MCU upcoming. It, it's it's so satisfying, and I loved I loved the fact that we got to big superhero fights in the sky. You know, like we did that on TV with this show. This is all. It was so much fun. It did so many different things. It didn't overstay its welcome. It. I just thought it was a home run. I loved it. All right, John Robinson, let's talk about the finale of the show. Yeah. Um, there are some things that you were probably expecting, you were thinking might happen, but overall, like, what were some things in the finale you felt like, man, they really hit that well? Like, they really hit that beat really well. What were some things you felt missed in terms of finale? Yeah, you know, I've been, I've been um, checking out some interviews with um, the, the behind the scenes is that is that um, the, the interview cycle for these shows, these uh, Marvel Disney Plus shows, are for the most part talent is not allowed to talk to reporters until the monday after the episode airs on thursday midnight the week before right um and then those interviews are often not allowed to run until the tuesday so we're about to get a lot more information we got two big interviews today one matt shackman did with the fat man beyond um 
podcast with Kevin Smith, Mark Bernardin, and one that um, Jack Schaefer did with uh, Dave Iscoff at um, the New York Times. And uh, so those were both had some revelations in, in them about the finale, but we're about to get a whole bunch more starting, I would say, tomorrow. We're going to need a lot of info. But some of the things that we learned was that due to COVID, um, you know, COVID definitely impacted the finale. And one of the ways it impacted the finale is that it um, – it may or may not have impacted their ability to have stuff fully formed stuff for Darcy and Monica and mm. Jimmy to do so that their intention, they, they, you know, Matt Shackman described, described, and I talked to Jack Schaefer today for our podcast is going to run later in the week. They had this whole sequence with Monica and Darcy and the boys and Ralph and the senior scratchy was going to turn into a demon. And it was like this whole big thing that they were going to do. And but because they couldn't do that, they actually shot it, but they, because they couldn't get the VFX going or whatever, or story-wise it wasn't working, they cut that. And as a result, like some of those side characters who are, yes, side, like I wanted them to be secondary to what was happening with WandaVision. That's the most important thing, right? Um, but it, they felt a little like too much and not enough. You know, if they're going to be there, have them do something rather than like have Kat Denning say four words and then not be there for the reshoots of, of the wrap up of the episode or whatever. Do you know what I mean? So that stuff we can blame on COVID to a certain degree. Um, and then um, the Evan Peter stuff, I know you asked me to start with the stuff I liked and I swear there is stuff I liked, but um, the Evan Peters uh, Ralph reveal, I uh, that's the only thing that I'm just sort of like, guys, I don't think you nailed it. Honestly, like I, yeah. I'm not mad about a misdirect, but the misdirect needed to land somewhere a little bit more yeah, interesting yeah. than like a boner joke. Well, they made a bo- um, yeah, they made a boner joke, so yeah. it was worth it. Sure. Um, the uh, the and and like uh, you know Jeff Jeff mentions like flying around the sky, classic MCU villain fight stuff, and that that stuff it looked it looked pretty good. Like it's fun, but for me in the finale, what worked really really well was the really smaller character driven moments. So basically, the like Wanda and Vision tucking their kids in, and Wanda and Vision saying goodbye like that for me, and some of the Agatha and Wanda stuff. Uh, the line that Agatha has of like, you know, there will always be pitchers, pitchforks and torches for women like us, Wanda, like stuff like that, uh, you know, maybe I don't need them to be said while the two actresses are in like wire harnesses or something like that. But like, but the goodbye stuff at the home was just achingly beautiful, I thought. So powerful. And, and, yeah. and that's what I really, what I really, really wanted from the finale, which I knew was going to be action heavy because they kept saying like, it'll all end in something that'll look familiar to MCU fans. And I was like, I know what that means. (laughs) Um, But, you know, that they made the space. uh, Essentially what WandaVision is, as Jeff was alluding to, what WandaVision is, is more space for Wanda's story, which had to be a bit of a footnote in Infinity War and Endgame. And and so, you know, I, I saw some people kind of salty, like, oh, we have to see Vision die again for the third time. Like, we've already seen him die twice on film. Yeah. I was like, yeah, but that was just, like, in the middle of all this other, you know, you had to keep cutting away to, like, you know, the Hulkbuster armor or something like that. Like, this is just, like, let's give them this beat and really let that, the the tragedy of this for Wanda uh, after all she's already lost. And, uh, and I loved how they made the whole bigger there too, that where it, it, that became the point, like him saying, you know, I've done this a couple of times and I keep coming back. So I, so I, we, we have to surmise that if I say goodbye, I'll say hello again. You know, I, I thought that was all so earned and mm-hmm. I thought it, it, it turned that, 
um, maybe that flaw into something actually kind of poetic. Yeah, kind of lampshading it in a really beautiful yeah. way. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, I'm glad the the finale landed. Uh, I'm gonna share some of my thoughts. I guess it's gonna be a one v three situation here. Uh, as... the salt mines. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Overall, I really enjoy the experience of watching the show. So, like, I'm just gonna start start from there. We all, we all have that in common, guys. We all have that in common. Okay. <laughs> Um, this is a show like literally I would, my, my routine is I would wake up at dawn on Friday, like 5am, 4am, 5am, 6am. And I would watch, the first thing I do is watch WandaVision. And what a cool I thing. Just, I just got this joy. I, I got a lot of joy from, um, uh, the Marvel Studios logo. I'd always get a little, little thrill, you know, seeing that Marvel yeah. Studios logo and they have this really cool music cue that they play with it yeah. now. And I'm like, oh man. 30 seconds and, of joy. Yeah. Yeah, and it reminds me of a time when we used to go to theaters and stuff. And uh, there is, there's always like a speculation stuff going on online. And I have to say, Joanna, I'm kind of in your boat in terms of like, hey, I'm enjo- I'm enjoying this now. I'm mm-hmm. I'm having fun with all the speculation because because I have no expectation. Like this is a show barely was on my radar. I'm enjoying it now, so like it's all just gravy at this point. You know, I don't I don't have any expectations. Uh, so overall, enjoy the show. Think it's worth watching. But yeah. I think it's I think it's at its most interesting when it's covering the things that you described, uh, the, the the character things that all of you have described. Specifically, John Robinson talking about you know Wanda saying goodbye to Vision and her kids last episode, like very touching, very beautiful. Um, even I'm, I was even okay with the backdoor pilot of uh, going back and seeing like all the different experiences Wanda had that led her up to this point, uh, filling in some details for for the MCU. Uh, and explaining exactly how we got to this point at the first episode of WandaVision. Uh, and the idea that this is a manifestation of grief, right? Like, what is, uh, what if you were grieving, but you were also a superhero capable of feats that were barely comprehensible to most humans? Like, what what would that look like? And this kind of shows you one version of that. I think that's very interesting to think of, like, how how does WandaVision, like, how does the town of Westview represent grief in the sense that, like, you know, when when one is grieving, especially given the last year, like, grieving is a very relevant topic, mm-hmm. uh, how does that impact those around you, right? Is it a burden on them as well when you're grieving? And 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 what's up with that? And I think um, the, at its best, the show made me think and reflect on those things and explore those things in really compelling fashion. But then you have all this other stuff that uh, just isn't very good in the finale, I think. Um, I thought, like, Agatha, just while I, Catherine Hahn is a treasure and she was wonderful in most of the series, I thought she was, like, pretty wasted at the end. Like, in, in, I just didn't think that the the journey that that character ends up taking is particularly interesting. Um, I think there were a lot of head fakes and uh, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not mad. You know, I think you're, you know, I'm not like, how dare they head fake me? But I feel like the number of head fakes they had, like the, the thing with Evan Peters, which we talked about on this podcast a few weeks ago, Mm -hmm. right? Is okay. You can have the guy who played Quicksilver in the X-Men movies. uh, But then also like, you've told us that, uh, Wanda is going to be a big part in Multiverse of Madness. And also, by the way, uh, we've hired, you know, Alfred Molina for Spider-Man 3, you know, and also like all these other things that kind of point to this kind of multiverse plot happening. And it does, I can't deny, it does feel like a bit of a letdown, uh, the whole Quicksilver thing. 
Um, so I mean, uh, that that may not necessarily be the end of it. That's too, how I feel. Right? Yeah, like th- that's the thing. This is I think this it is, comic is. World. yeah. I think it is. I mean, unless they do like, I it was never their intent. Mm-hmm. My understanding is it was yeah, never yeah, their yeah. intention to like sort of double triple layer. But as but to Jeff's point, it's so funny. What, sorry, Dave, is it okay that I'm? Yeah, please. Go uh, to Jeff's point uh, that he said earlier, he sort of uh, landed upon one of my favorite theses of the of Kevin Feige's era of Marvel Studios, like Kevin Feige fully in control of Marvel mm-hmm. Studios, and it has to do with. Uh, something that Kevin actually t- I did this uh, story for Vanity Fair where I got to like s- sit down talk with Kevin for a couple hours and one of my favorite things that he told me and this is um, I don't think it made it into the final story but one of my favorite things Ooh, he told exclusive me exclusive content on the slash filmcast <laughs> all right um, for in exchange I will say I'm writing a book about Marvel Studios so watch this uh, watch this spot but um, <laughs> that uh, that. He used what he used to do as a kid is he would go to a movie, he would go see, like, let's say he loved Robocop, and then he'd go see Robocop 2 and he hated Robocop 2. So he would go home and he would take his go to the backyard, take his action figures, and figure out how to fix Robocop 2, how to make Robocop 2 better. That story to me is like all of what Kevin Feige has been doing. I can fix Spider-Man. Sure. I sure. can I I can even fix my own mistakes. I can fix right. the Dark World. I'll put it in gang endgame. I can end fix game, Ultron. Yeah. I'm gonna build this whole WandaVision like film around it that's gonna make Ultron this beautiful like meet cute between these two like you know lovers that you're gonna fall in love with. And so look for that always look for and not just you know i i can fix the fantastic four i can fix the mutants i can do whatever you know like that's and and it's not born out of ego that's not really who kevin feige is it's born out of just like a conviction uh backed up by an incredible track record that he has the right instinct Mm -hmm. about how to tell these stories um so, so I think you're that's saying that's not to contradict your point yeah, about the yeah. finale. I, I I agree with you, Dave. Like a lot of the zooming around in the sky, I was like, if this were just like, if they just stepped into a different plane of existence and it was just the two of them talking, Catherine Hahn and Elizabeth Olsen talking quietly in the room, that's what I want. And I really yeah, yeah, understand yeah, yeah, that yeah. that's not that's what most people need. want from Marvel, but that's that's what I want. So I think it would be uh, yeah, yeah. Go ahead. Go and ahead. I think they kind of tried to do that with the double vision. Scene. Right. Yes, they're right. floating in midair, but really it was just two men in a library talking about the ship of Theseus. So you know, yeah, pretty rad so, sequence, by the way. Pretty yeah. pretty rad exchange, I thought. I uh, well, I think it's so. I actually really enjoyed that as well because I think we've seen scenes of two superheroes fighting each other a lot, right? I mean, it was done especially in, like the you, evil version of said right. superhero, yeah. Matrix Revolutions, great example, yeah. just like Logan. two two CGI dudes like floating around the sky punching each other for a really long time, and it's like we've already seen that, and I'm like, how are they going to resolve this in a way that's uh, interesting? And I thought the solution they arrived upon was not only interesting but also cost efficient. So uh, <laughs> you, you don't, <laughs> you don't need to burn up a budget. Yeah. Yeah, extra points for budget. You don't need to burn up a lot of CG budget there. Um, But uh, yeah, I think it's highly... You're right. It's possible, Jeff. It's possible. I think it's highly unlikely because Mm -hmm. they show... uh, What's her name? Agnes saying like, hey, it took me like 50 years to turn this bird into a thing. And so the idea that she could pluck people out of another universe, I think, is like... Uh, beggar's belief in my opinion plus like I mean, all, yeah. everything we see the, the entire the show idea. it was the, the whole point is that she is so powerful she is so much more powerful than Agatha like that is the thing well, yeah. Yeah. but, she, but yeah. Agatha is the one responsible for Evan Peters showing up so to, to, yeah. to, to say that they can't 
retcon that in some clever oh, yeah. way, I think is <laughs> to not. underestimate what you're talking about. I mean, the, it's also, the, yeah, it's a, yeah. it's a, it's a dangling potential is what they've mm-hmm. let that left themselves and, with. They don't ever have to follow up on it, but they certainly could. And there's several. And sorry, go ahead, yeah. Dave. I would describe it as a mostly closed book is how I would describe it. Not dangling potential. It's like the book is almost, it's not yeah. quite closed, but it's mostly closed. Anyway, go we, ahead, Joanna. Well, there's more, da- there's more dangling potential in, in, you know, Agatha being tucked away in Westview, right? Or mm-hmm. a right. Wh- white vision zooming off in outer space. Right. Sure. Where did he go? Yeah, what, those are clear setups. Right, right. <laughs> yeah. um, those are, those are both clear the, setups, I think. Yeah, and, yeah. Or the post credit scene too. Catherine like, Hahn d- did yeah. tell me that like she, and maybe she's lying because that's what they have to do, right? But she's like, <laughs> she's like, uh, I was like, oh, so they did they tell you they're gonna hit like Apple S on your on your character and bring you back for you know future? And she's like, absolutely not. And I was, she's like, no, no, no. it's just sort mm-hmm. of her punishment. And I was like, yeah, I don't believe you, but okay. Just the, uh, like, there are a couple of things we have I mean, to talk about. She name checks the Sorcerer to- Supreme. I can't imagine yes. that we're not gonna hear yes. something about that in the next. Anyway, go ahead for sure. It. No, it all connects for sure. But we, uh, I, there are a couple things that came to mind. I don't, was Agatha that bad? Like, was Agatha that bad that she had to basically be trapped in this, uh, in that prison of being in that suburban town and kind of losing her agency in her mind? Because she, without, without her, I, I don't think um, Wanda ever really would have understood these powers that have been underlining, you know, her entire the life. Whole, and also, whole, yep. yeah, go, go, ahead, go I, ahead. I just need to add to that. Wanda sucks, everybody. <laughs> Wanda sucks. She, how many times, how many times has like the fate of the world kind of uh, been determined by Wanda's actions and her kind of screwing up and losing her powers? I, I get it too, like with the last few movies, but also this time she imprisoned an entire town and she walks out <laughs> and doesn't even apologize to all of these people she's enslaved. She just walks out and then flies away. <laughs> I, have, I have a quick question for you. This is inspired by my friend, uh, Dave uh-huh. Gonzalez, who who knows Marvel so much better than I do. Do you think Tony Stark sucks in the end of Endgame? Yes. Mm. Okay. Because Tony, Tony Stark makes this decision that they're not going to, like, spool back time because then his daughter doesn't exist, right? Yeah. Right, so, yeah. like, everyone has to endure the trauma of the snap <laughs> so mm. that Tony Stark's daughter can live. And, you know, and and that, and yeah. this is, a, I think, a similar decision that Wanda is making here that, like, uh, all these people, she's she's choosing not to see, la, 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 the, the damage she's causing in order to have, like, vision back. You know well, what I mean? I, I have many thoughts on that, John Robinson, um, but I'll share just two, maybe three. One is, I think Endgame is... To be honest, I've watched it again recently. I love the movie. I really enjoy it. But I also think the message is incredibly fucked up. Like, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. the message of Endgame is don't let go of things. Like, if you lost, like, don't let go of it. Endgame is a fantasy for what if we never have to lose, right? What if we can always win somehow? And uh, the the, like, they, they don't cope with loss. It's in the trailer. He's like, everyone's moved on, but not us. Like, that's literally... And then they get rewarded for that mentality. Um, I'm glad the Marvel Cinematic Universe is finally starting to confront some of the horrors of that decision, which you see in the brilliant opening of, I think, episode four, three, one yeah, of those episodes. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I think Endgame as a whole, like, is like the morality of Endgame is pretty jacked up to begin with. Um, yeah, so yeah. it's less about Tony Stark for me and more about the entire story. But uh, also, Tony Stark's kind of actions 
I would say were not necessarily a net negative. And in this situation, you have Scarlet Witch going in, or whatever you want to call her, going in, and she kind of mind controls these people. And sure, their lives yeah. kind of sucked before, yeah. you know? But they, they're uh, the being that... tortured. They are <laughs> screaming to be freed and yeah. to go see their loved ones. Like, <laughs> who knows who is, like, being affected because they cannot reach their family members right now. Yeah. I, I think the way that this finale handled Wanda and what she did was pretty bad. Like the way that it framed her actions as being a sacrifice. You gave up your invisible, you gave up your imaginary friends. Uh, and now people will never know your sacrifice. It, like framed it as like this noble sacrifice I thought was pretty rough. But well, I'm curious what Joanna and Jeff think about that. <laughs> Joanna, You mean because I keep like trying to interrupt you? Yeah. Sorry. Um, okay. Yeah. Um, no, please. Well, I, let me zoom back really quickly. This is related to the Evan Peters thing, which is to say their explanation of the Evan Peters thing is that – and then I just don't think they really, really fully landed it. But they're saying they're saying what lengths will go to accept a reality that, you know, like the fact that if, if this guy had shown up and he looked like Aaron Taylor Johnson, we've been like, oh, here's another resurrected, another zombified, like – loved one of Wanda's but this guy shows up who doesn't really look anything like her brother and she's like Pietro and he's and and Matt Shackman was saying like these are the links we'll go to 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 convince mm. ourselves of a reality that we want like I said I don't think it fully fully hangs together mm-hmm. but that was sort of an idea that they had the other thing can, that can I just digress just one yes. second is that the movie The Imposter, this documentary called The Imposter, that yeah. I think does a really good job of illustrating that concept. Yeah, uh-huh. yeah. Um, So watch The Imposter. It's a brilliant film. Okay, go ahead, Jonna. Well, and the other thing, and I don't mean to keep like spoiling my own interview with Jack, <laughs> Jack Schaefer, which <laughs> will run later this week, but she was saying when I was asked, she, she gave this great quote a couple of years ago in an interview where she talked about how she wasn't interested in black and white villains. She was inter- interested in, in Shades of Grey. So I was asking her like how she thought Agatha sort of fulfilled that brief in, in the show. Um, and then she's like, actually, I think of that more as it applies to Wanda. Mm-hmm. Like, I think of Wanda in a shade of gray. So I, I think, but so I think that 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 you know the showrunner of the show is not thinking of Wanda as you know an all conquering hero as she walks out of this town, and Wanda herself like slinks out of town. You know what I mean? I do think a mistake yeah, they she, made. She kind of walks through amidst everybody. <laughs> she's like she had many opportunities. She didn't like, have hey, to guys, take that path. Sorry, you know. She, yeah. she, like, puts, well, she, puts, she put her hood up. She, she put, put her, her hood up. <laughs> I'm with Jeff. She put her hood up. She's slinking. Slinking. She could take a back road. Incredibly conspicuously, but she's yeah, slinking. She okay. should have yeah, taken right? a back yeah. road. But they, yeah. they wanted to show everyone glaring at her so that it yeah. wasn't like a whatever. I think the the main mistake they made, and and I am curious to hear what Jeff thinks, but I think the main mistake they made was having Monica, who is sort of like this this uh voice of of morality in the show, mm-hmm. uh condone it. <laughs> I think yeah, if Monica exactly. been right. like, you're free if, to go. Yeah, if Monica had been <laughs> like, that was a little fucked up. I get it. Great. <laughs> yeah. But that was a little yeah. fucked up, but maybe you should go to a cabin somewhere and drink some tea and study up or something. You know what I mean? Right. Like yeah. that her approval, I think to that's put the what really the rubbed scale. me the wrong way yeah, yeah. like it, if that had not been in there and then she had just left i would be completely fine but like sure, sure. that last scene it really was like ugh. okay jeff your thoughts i have so many um <laughs> i will say from a comic book perspective both scarlet witch and quicksilver have always been sort of chaotic good uh and i think that that plays out here i think that there's it's sort of true to that mentality i mean they were they are magneto's children 
And there was always sort of this potential of evil in both of them. I mean, Quicksilver has a history of being uh, kind of um, undermining and 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 um, not always playing with the rest of the team uh, in the comics as well. And so I, I I I kind of like the fact that she's not a squeaky clean hero at the end. She does have some culpability and some you know not blood on her hands, but some dirt on her hands certainly. Uh, from messing with people's minds. And I, I I don't know. I think that's a more interesting tale. I think it's a more interesting, uh, it, like like Jonah was saying, the shades of gray, I think, are, are much more fascinating to me as a viewer as well. Um, another thing I wanted to bring up, Dave, that I thought was funny is, you know, you always you always rail against Blue Beam and Sky. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was thinking at one point, you know, there's that that sequence with the uh, the Coven of Witches back in Salem yeah. And I was like, oh, it's Blue Beeman guy. <laughs> it's not <laughs> Blue Beeman Sky. It's Blue Beeman guy. You're on fire tonight, Jeff. Yeah, it's like you. Fire. You're, you're on fire. <laughs> what okay. happens when you give me a week off, baby? <laughs> let me let me ask you guys a question. Uh what's the guy, the bad guy's name? Tyler, uh the he- head of Shield, right? Hayward. Head of Tyler sword. Hayward. Head of sword. sword. Yeah, sorry. Yeah. yeah. Uh what was he arrested for at the end? What do you think he's arrested Just for? Just being around his way. Because, yeah. uh, you know, he there's this town of people imprisoned by this superhuman being, and he did everything he can to both free them and repossess military materials. Uh, he, was, so, he was being a real dick. What do you, you see, yeah. what he, see what he did to Jimmy? He threw him in some hay. <laughs> Endangering something, something. Sending an untested, uh, you know sentient weapon into the hex. Yeah, we've never done that before. Where there are yeah. innocent lives. I, I was don't know. a little I bummed. Think, yeah, go ahead. I was a little bummed that they made him so mustache twirly at the end because I thought yeah. Evil. Yeah. Yeah, I evil thought right. um I thought it was actually cool that the whole sequence where he brings Wanda in and shows her vision deconstructed on the mm-hmm. I thought he was being very reasonable. He's like, <laughs> yeah. listen, well, but I thought we he can't was, we I can't let you leave with him. Her. He costs yeah. It costs a whole lot of money. Uh, you know, that, that is a very, exp- even if we wanted to let you leave with him, it's very <laughs> expensive, that uh, vibranium. And, you know, I, I don't know. I just, I like, I like, Thanos is a great example of this. I like when you can sort of see the logic of the villain. You know, you can go, well, it's fucked up and villainous, but also I kind of get how you can have that mentality. And well, I, My I, job I did, is for you not to take this. Uh, that's not, you know, my fault. It's my job. I, but I don't yeah. think well, that's what he was trying to do in that scene. My interpretation of that scene is he was trying to goad her yes. into juicing Vision up for mm-hmm, them. Mm-hmm. 100% he's like, agree. you can't take sure, this sure, and sure. bury it, but you can bring him back, only you can do it, Wanda. Well, like, it's I think more like really if it doesn't... was me, if, it was yeah. up to, if, if I had the power, I mean, I would bring him back. But, like, you know, I'm not you, so, um, like, yeah. it's totally um, up to you, but I'm not you, you know? But yeah. I would, but I would agree with Jeff. There's there's a different scene actually where I think there's potential there where um, he's in one of the various sword tent brief scenes where he's talking about he's talking to Monica about the snap and he's like you weren't there you don't know what it was like 
Like we saw half the, um, as, as Dave said, this is like them, the, the MCU having to grapple with like what actually happened. Whereas Spider-Man far from home was sort of like, la, 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 la. What's it's hilarious. Um, <laughs> what's so fascinating is this takes place so long before Spider-Man far like from eight, home. Eight months or something. Yeah. Like that. Yeah. 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 But that's that. So that was their way to be like, to do a fun hijinky high school film and right. not have to like grapple with the trauma that Peter and all of his friends <laughs> yeah. like yeah. have are still in high school school and everyone else is yeah. gone anyway um if you thought covid was bad imagine right. if half of everybody just vanished <laughs> yeah. yeah so that, so so hayward was talking about like so it comes from a place of of for him of fear you know what i mean and, and like he needs he needs this project cataract to happen it you know it felt like a very like post 9-11 over reaction homeland mm. security sort of thing like we need to be protected so this never happens to us again and that i think was was a real potential for exactly what you guys are talking about which is like you don't need him to twirl a mustache <laughs> let's, well, the, let's the, give him the, something reasonable yeah, you know agreed, the bridge agreed. too far moment was when he literally fired a weapon at two young boys i was like <laughs> yeah. I, I think that's what he's being arrested when... for. <laughs> yeah. yeah, well, yeah. But there you go. But they're imaginary boys, though. That's but the thing. They're imaginary. You don't boys. know that. You know. <laughs> I mean, he didn't know that. Either, either way, if I see a, a a boy that may or may not be imaginary, I'm not discharging my sidearm toward their face. You know. <laughs> I also think the idea of like Monica being basically bulletproof, like this black woman stepping in the way of these bullets, but from a law enforcement officer, is just very loaded imagery. And mm -hmm. I just mm -hmm. don't think the show, I think the show was punching too far above its weight class to really make good use of it, uh, in my opinion. That's another thing. Um, so but yeah, go ahead. Someone who's really smart about making television ta was talking to me about the moment, uh, a wasted opportunity they saw in the moment where Monica other than like her basically like the only black person we see in the neighbor in this neighborhood getting ejected by Wanda who says like, you don't belong here. Right. And, and just that there was like potential to do something just like a, just a little bit more interesting than yes. what they wound up doing with that. But, you know, again, I think they were, they were, I mean, she's not the only black person though. There was that neighbor guy too. Yeah. That's what I said. Oh, other yeah. than her. Other oh, than sorry. Her. Yeah, yes. yeah. That's okay. Um, yeah. So the, just, just that idea that it, like it could have been, that kind of interesting moment, you know, but like overall, overall I'm, I'm, I'm with Jeff uh, and Devendra and Dave is all alone. His salt cave. <laughs> Digging mine in salt. <laughs> Thanks, Joanna. Thanks. That's very, that's very lovely. I mean, so yeah, I think that the stuff with uh, Tyler Hayward and the stuff with Agatha was kind of a waste, but it was worth going on the, like all the, this is like, this is like Thor going into the lake of, fire or whatever the hell in Thor the Dark World all over again. Wait, what was the one where he went into the he saw the vision of Ragnarok? Was it Ultron. maybe it was Age of Ultron? It's it Ultron, sh right? Shitty yeah. part yeah. of Ultron. Yeah. Right. This is like <laughs> I feel like the Tyler Hayward and Mon and uh, to some extent Monica Rambeau and Agatha Harkness parts of this show were like the shitty parts of Ultron. Um, well, they, yeah. It's weird you know? how Monica got powers and they're like I guess I got powers now. We're not gonna <laughs> interrogate this yeah. at all. No, no need to. I no know need exactly to. how be, all this works. Yeah, <laughs> we will be interrogating this further in Captain Marvel too. Right, yeah. right, right, right. But I think I think Stay that there's all all the stuff that wasn't that I really really enjoyed and admired and appreciated. Like all the all the Wanda Vision stuff, I thought was great and just mm -hmm. like mm -hmm. a great use of the form, like a great use of hey, we have a TV show and Jeff, well put about like. 
this is a story that had to be told this way because yeah. it wouldn't make sense to watch this as a film it, or, or not, not it wouldn't make sense, but it would lessen it to watch it as a film right. and uh, to see it unfold week by week. It, it was really fun and I had a great time with it. I just thought like a few things, I wouldn't say it didn't stick the landing. I'd say it mildly stuck the landing. I guess is how I feel about it. Um, but anyway, John Robinson, mm-hmm. any final thoughts? You're saying it's like one of those gymnasts who's had like a really good bar routine and then like does a little flip off and then just there's just like a little like stumble, stumble, a little stumble. And then the arm goes up in the air. It's like like a little Carrie Strug on one leg. She landed on one leg. That's 100%. That is exactly the mental image I had. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's not, it's not, wasn't a total loss. It wasn't bad. It's just like, uh, it really could have ended a little bit better. Anyway, John Robinson, closing thoughts. Well, one of the reasons that I think Ultron, and this is related, I promise. One of the reasons I think Ultron was a big failure for me in the MCU was the the to watch it struggle under the weight of trying to set up so many things. Right, Thor goes into that freaking cave pond mm-hmm. because they need to set. They were trying to set up Thor Ragnarok and stuff like that, and it makes no sense. And it's and it's it it ruins the movie and and a bunch of other things. They're just trying to like they were trying to like plant their seeds for their offshoots, right? And you can see the seeds that they're planting in the show for their offshoots. They're Doctor Strange. And in the multiverse of madness offshoot, they're Captain Marvel uh, two offshoot and stuff like that. They need to lift those. Um, I think there are some ways in which uh, it's well, it's just storytelling unlike we've ever seen, right? Because uh, unless you know you're a comics fan, because this happens a lot in comics, there'll be like a mini series run. The mini series run, and like if you read if you read House of M, which I did before the show started, and I was like. Well, that was good, and that's it. And someone was like, "No, the House of M storyline like just keeps crescendoing out from yeah. here." And I was like, "Okay, but if I go on my comicsology, this is what they're calling House of M." And they're like, "Yeah, it's comics. It's complicated to read." I was like, "Okay." Um, so you know, this <laughs> it's continuity is what it is. <laughs> but like, what does these Disney Plus shows give Marvel as an opportunity to tell these expand? You know, this is basically an expanded origin, six hour origin story for the Scarlet Witch, right? And so it gives them this opportunity to tell these like more slow rolling stories. But what it also gives them is a bunch more plates to spin. And so I'm ever vigilant. I mean, there's no reason to not um, trust in Feige and his team and Marvel after everything they've done, but I'm forever vigilant to be like, okay, you know, you, you guys used to have a complicated enough, job trying to make all of these movies flow now you got to make all these shows flow too and that's that's tricky and and when we're watching something like wandavision and we're and we're invested in this and the show sucked in a lot of people who weren't marvel fans i've talked to so many people who this is their first marvel thing they ever watched which is wild and fun and Mm -hmm. great welcome Mm -hmm. to the party pal but like you know then they're like wait i gotta know i gotta watch a movie now to find out what (laughs) happens to Wanda, this isn't a, you know, this episode's called series finale, but like, it's definitely not the end of this story. And I'm like, that's how it works. So it's, uh, we're not used to this. Um, you know, Aces of Shield tried it like, and it really spectacularly backfired, but we're not used to this sort of interconnected movie, TV, movie, TV, movie, TV storytelling that they're about to, you know, soar off into the blue yonder with. So we well, shall it's see. cool that they're treating these as sort of one-off uh, longer movies, really uh, event TV shows. I think that helps in, instead of having this like endless agents of shield <laughs> seriesification right. where it's like, now what? Um, and when are these going to air and how is it going to link in? And what has happened in the big screen to those, all those complications I think are out, out, 
uh, off their plate. But uh, two things I want to say. First of all is, how amazing is it that a previously on, on a TV show, has footage from the highest grossing movie of all time? <laughs> That's I, a, I mean, you that said is a you, previously on, on a TV show. You, you texted us this, Jeff, and you were really excited. And I don't want to yuck your yum. At the same time, I also think it's a yeah. horrifying sign of the media consolidation that is Absolute to come. And flex. I find, I find yeah, it actually yeah. quite chilling and mildly upsetting. So I don't share your enthusiasm at all. But continue. <laughs> Dave Chen, I don't share your enthusiasm at all. But continue. T-shirts coming soon. But continue, but continue Jeff. <laughs> the other thing that I find so frankly inspiring about what Feige and his team are doing is that, and we've talked about this a lot about, about how they spend their capital, right? They spend the, the capital they've earned on success in daring and interesting ways. And one of those is you have these characters that are tentpole Marvel characters, Iron Man, Captain America, and you have the guts to go, okay, we're not just going to recast younger people in those parts. We're not going to come up with some weird way to keep the treadmill rolling and have a new Superman movie and a new Batman movie. And a new... no, we're going to set these characters aside. They're done. I'm confident we're going to find new people using the shield and new people using the armor uh, as the comic books have done. But for now, these characters are done. And we are going to focus on other characters. We are going to build up and spend our capital on these other interesting characters and realizing that the universe, if we invest in it, if we maintain this continuity, if you maintain the fact that Chris Evans is the only guy playing Captain America right now, uh, that it, it actually does feel mo more cohesive. It actually does make people more invested. And then you go, oh yeah, no, it's cool. Captain Marvel is an awesome top tier character. Oh my gosh, I'm so curious about this Scarlet Witch person and this Doctor Strange and all these characters that most people who would you know tell you about superheroes would have never heard of 10 years ago. Uh, uh, now, I mean, yeah. Iron Man even, right? Well, the, what's funny, yeah, yeah. I, I was going to say, there was this Variety headline back in the day in 2006 or 2007, probably, 2007, called Here Come the B-Team. <laughs> and it was about right. Marvel's proposed lineup with Iron Man and Thor and Captain America. And they were like, right. they, they've licensed out their biggest moneymakers. And Marvel's like, we have Hulk, what are you talking about? But like, you know, like, like they've licensed out Spider-Man, the Fantastic Four, all these guys, and they're stuck with these nobodies. Let me check notes. They're called Iron Man, Captain America, <laughs> yeah. Thor. You know, so they've already worked. They know, yeah. like, Feige knows, okay, just make people care about these characters. And then the notoriety of the the superhero moniker will come along and can i offer um a tiny uh yes and to your point jeff which is that um i think i don't think chris evans is the only captain america i think chris evans is the only steve rogers and i think what yeah, we're yes, about yes. to see yeah, yeah, yeah. with falcon yeah. and winter soldier is the origin story of sam as captain america which is yeah and i think we're gonna get i think we're gonna get a female iron man and we're gonna we're gonna get all those things that have happened in comics, right. I, I don't think that's the end of those monikers, as, as you so rightly point out. But I do I do think they have the courage and the, the strength of their conviction to understand that 
just because these characters have been successful doesn't mean you have to ride these characters into the ground. You, mm-hmm. They use those the success to build up other characters so that you've got, you know, Black Panther being the biggest movie in the world. And you've got, you know, the, you've got the, these other set of heroes that now flesh out the world and are interesting in their own right and um, all that stuff. I, I, I just think that's, it's hard to overstate how rare that is in Hollywood, right? right. That no Whereas, one does yeah. that. Yeah. No one does that, right? You have, even in Disney, you have, well, let's make another fucking Obi-Wan movie. Yeah. Let's make Han Solo prequel L- trilogy. Let's, let's you know, remake The Lion King and make the songs yes. kind of worse, basically. Yeah. <laughs> no, one, no one does that. No one does that. People go, what do the people want? Let's just give them more of that. Yeah. And Marvel DC goes, no. Is like, yeah, yeah. Yeah. He's like, are you Batman? No. Oh, okay. Superman? No. Oh, yeah. okay. Batman? How many Jokers Wait, do you want? About, we'll give you Superman? all the Jokers. We'll we got give you all, all the jokers. jokers. How many? Yes. Is there anybody else in Hollywood who wants to play Joker? You can do it too. You know? It, it, yeah. it is. But but I mean, it's not just a thing to rip on DC or, or no, Warner no. Brothers. It's literally, it's literally every, it's Hollywood, right? It's, that's the mentality is ride the fucking thing into the ground give us rocky part eight right there's it's it is it is crazy the level of um i think smart thinking that feige has and his team have brought to bear here and it is it's also crazy how people don't seem to be learning from that lesson <laughs> i know i thought for i thought for like a minute dc was really gonna like figure it out and then they haven't did well, but they, like they might still i think there's this thing called the snyder cut i haven't heard of it i don't know what you're talking about everything i may or may not have seen like two minutes of it today i've been like oh my god um but uh but the good news is, Joanna, that's such a <laughs> tiny fraction of the four hours runtime. <laughs> but I, th- I think what you're describing, Jeff, elsewhere is is fear, this IP yes. dependent fear of like if we don't serve them something familiar, they won't come. And Feige's like, well, I am going to serve them something familiar. To what to your guys' point earlier, that Marvel uh, pre roll is going to come. They're going to hear that music. They're going to see that logo, and they're going to be like. This I know I'm in for a good time. It's how I used to feel about the glittery Lucasfilm logo, right? Yeah, and, um, yeah, yeah. And, so sad. Uh, and so there is a familiarity. He's selling like a familiarity of Marvel, but not uh, to, you know falling back on that crutch of like you have to. We have to recycle these characters. There's still an opportunity, as you guys say. Like you know, let's say they decide whether or not with Evan Peters, I don't know. But there is an opportunity via the multiverse to do something like that, you know, like uh, Into the Spider-Verse, I think was so brilliant in the way that it was like, actually several Peter Parkers can be interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, not the mm-hmm. way that Sony live action has done it, but but it can it can be interesting, you know. And you've got you've got Robert Downey Jr. out there being like, never say never about coming back, you know what I mean? So like, we could get a multiverse Tony Stark. Um, I I there's a part of me that hopes they won't. Um, mm-hmm. but if anyone can do it in a way that will feel not cheap, it would be I suppose Marvel at this point. So. Well, I think that was all well put by both of you, and I I agree with you, Jeff. I think this was a big swing, right? And they they really went out on a limb with those first few episodes, I think, right? Because those first few episodes were potentially alienating. I know because oh. I was somewhat alienated. I wanted and, I wanted to uh, tell you I wanted to tell yeah. you something, Dave. I'm so sorry. To, I know okay. I've been I've been chattering a lot, but like no, um, not at all. The 
I, I you and and a few other people mentioned that like if they had only shown us the first three episodes in a chunk, <laughs> I wouldn't have been. That's my David Tennant impression. I wouldn't wow. have been so Pretty good. Mad. It's really good. It's really good. <laughs> about, about whatever you know. If you if you'd only gotten to see the end of episode three when Monica gets booted out of the hex, right? Um, that uh, Matt Shackman said in, in this interview with uh, Fat Man Beyond that that was their original plan um, to show the first three in a chunk on one night, but that um, they were so behind the gun on uh, VFX stuff because of COVID mm. uh, that they had to spread it out a bit more. They literally so. needed another week to finish the show, basically. Mm. Yeah, he said he finished editing the finale like right up until it was airing so you know (laughs) (laughs) that's 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 the uh and i i believe on i mean i don't know this for a fact but i believe actually that that's where we're getting a pause before falcon the winter soldier starts because they too are behind the gun due to covid Mm -hmm. delays and and Mm -hmm. reshoots and stuff like that so it's incredible that we have this entertainment at all you know during this time so i hope everyone was safe when they made it and uh, I'm glad to have gone on this journey, even though we all on the podcast have very, very mild disagreements. <laughs> <laughs> um, but anyway, those are our thoughts on WandaVision Season 1. Jonah Robinson, you've obviously been working on uh, covering WandaVision Season 1. Uh, so why don't you tell people uh, what stuff you have coming out about WandaVision, what, where people can find your other stuff on WandaVision. We'll link to it on the show notes. Yeah, so this week we've got a wrap-up episode with Catherine Hahn and Jack Schaefer on the still watching podcast or vanity fair. Um, that's mainly where you're going to find stuff like this for me. We're going to be doing Falcon and the winter soldier next. Uh, I've got some stuff on the site, uh, but I found that the VF paywall is <laughs> hard for some comics fans to climb over. So uh, the podcast is, is the better place <laughs> to find that stuff. I think there, there um, are discounts once in a while. People got to keep an eye out for it, but there's sometimes true. great deals. Yeah. Subscribe yeah. to vanity fair, Subscribe. Um, but also, yeah, <laughs> Um, um, there, there was a great interview with Emma Caulfield I did at the end of last week. I really loved talking to her about being cast as sort of in, an intentional red herring that they like put her in there with the idea that yeah. she would be distracting to genre fans and stuff like that. She so, played Dottie in the yeah, show. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, so that's like, you know, most, most of where you can find me. Like I said, I'm working on a book about Marvel studios. Um, that's why I could quote a variety headline from 2007. And, um, and I have a podcast about the uh, show series Lost. We're in season five of Lost, uh, and we've got some fun guests on that show too. So that one's called The Storm. So the original Angry Fan Theory show, uh-huh, exactly, exactly. <laughs> uh, Joanna Robinson and I also do some podcasting together uh, over on our Patreon pages. So you can follow us on Patreon at Patreon.com/slash Dave Chen or Patreon.com/slash Storm of Spoilers if you want to hear us talk about. I don't know. I, I don't even think I should say what it is we talk about. It's it's a secret. It's a secret. But uh, you can find it on our Patreon page. Pretty so check them out there. personal sometimes. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yep. And we'll just leave it at that. Well, Joanna, it's been a delight to have you on. We really appreciate it. Uh, and that's going to bring us to the end of this week's episode of the Slash Filmcast. You can find more episodes of this podcast at SlashFilmcast.com. Email us at SlashFilmcast at gmail.com. Our theme song comes from AdamWarrock.com. Our spoiler bumper comes from filmmaker Kyle Hillinger. Our weekly plugs music comes from Noah Ross. This episode was edited by Baby Zhang. Next week on this podcast, we will be reviewing Raya and the Last Dragon, which you can Ooh. rent for $30 on Disney+. Plus. Uh, permanent rental. Permanent rental. Yeah. Uh, and in the After Dark, we'll be covering some Coming to America. This week's After Dark, we'll try to talk a little bit about Coming One America. 
so look forward to that at patreon.com. If only, if only there was some term for renting something permanently. <laughs> <laughs> Indeed. Uh, patreon.com slash film podcast. Support the show there. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week. We watch the